What's up, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 176 are open. This week on the show, we're talking about that nice red and blue Mario limited edition Switch that I got my hands on, my custom Game Boy, which I also got my hands on, and uh, there's a little thing that happened the other week, Bryce, uh, it's called a Nintendo Direct. I don't know if you've heard about it. It hasn't yeah, really yeah. happened in 17 months, but it happened when uh, you decided to leave, have, a, have, a, have a bit of a sick leave. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah quite a bit of a sick leave. Yeah. Now we're here. A few days after, we've got it, we've got our minds sorted out. Yeah, sort and of our ta- bodies. Take- <laughs> and our bodies. <laughs> and our bodies, because mine was stuffed. Yeah, our bodies are now ready. They yeah. weren't ready before. No, they weren't. Absolutely weren't. Yeah. And uh, Bryce, for taxes... Fantastic to have you back, mate. I'm sort of uh, skipping over my words a bit there, aren't I? Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, you're right, mate. You're right. You're all good. Yeah, just a little bit excited. Bryce <laughs> is back. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been a been a little bit. Yeah. So you've yeah. been out. You've uh, you've caught the the gastro. The gastro. Yeah, that's mm, real nice. Yeah, no, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all. No, I bet it wasn't. No. I reckon it's the worst bout that I've ever ever had, and um, it certainly didn't do any good for my throat or my chest or. Anything like that that come with uh, the effects of gastro, so you know it uh, it wasn't great. But that's also why we're a little late this week too, because you were like, ah, oh, I'll sort something out. But then you're like, no, nah, I still want to do the episode, but you know, we'll just wait until you're feeling a bit better. Because my chest and my throat, the last, well, during the start of the week, were terrible, mm. and I was like, I can't. <laughs> so, but. Glad I'm over it. I am too. Because mm. uh, I don't want you coming over here and sharing that stuff. No, shit. No, no, no. I don't wish it upon anyone after having it. It was terrible. Terrible. I only worked one day last week, so my wallet's a bit empty. And I'm like, mm. but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, I'd rather not I'd rather not give that to everybody. It's, uh, yeah, it, my own experience with it was bad enough that I'm like, I don't want anybody else to have that, even my worst enemy. No. Well, you had a bit of time at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any time to play any video, any video games of any sort? Not really. Sort of a- trying to segue away from gastro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a visitor for most of the week. And like I th- the plan was is that he was going to come here. And that was actually Peachy, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah, he, he ended up visiting by some off chance. He managed. He, he happened to be down in Adelaide. So he come and stay with us for a week. So the plan was... To come and do an episode that never happened because we got busy for the first week. Mm. And then uh, we got sick in the middle of the week. Whereas, yeah, you know, we were sort of going to go, well, that'd be the time to do it. And it didn't happen. So that's the only thing I really had planned apart from the Nintendo Direct and TAFE, I guess. That's pretty much what I had going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't played much games, really. Spent a lot of my time just watching tv yeah now uh, well i i've been spending a bit of my time playing through my new switch mm. been uh it's, it's sort of weird because i was so excited to get it but it was literally just like the same switch with like a better battery like ah, a switch yeah. yes but uh you know when, when you host a nintendo podcast you're like you know, you know what bugger i'm gonna justify this no matter what <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why you did it yeah mind you it didn't cost you that much no it didn't um it, but it cost me a little bit more than I thought because I actually forgot something. But it, it, 
was cheaper than I thought. So I traded in my original Switch towards the Mario Red and Blue limited edition Nintendo Switch. And uh, I um, I paid a $50 deposit. And then when I went to go and pick it up after the trade-in, I paid an extra 75 So I actually forgot about the deposit when I said I only uh, paid 75 for it. Yep. But on the website, on the EB Games website, it said that uh, it's 200 to um, swap it over. So I actually got it for $55 cheaper than I thought it was because of the... Uh, level four sort of rewards from EB Games. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I, I was actually really happy with that because if I was um to like fix up my Switch and get like a new pair of Joy Cons, that would have been pretty much that money anyway. Yeah, new, new pair of Joy Cons is about hundred and twenty, and had like a crack on the on the back of the um system, which a lot of people seem to get that one. I think you got that same crack oh, in the yeah, same place. Yeah. yeah, that's the only reason I hadn't opted to um trade mine in for uh monster hunter one because i've already gone and repaired mine so for me to uh i wonder if they'll care though i, I don't know if they would oh probably mm. it is you should look is, into it if you are kind of keen it's custom modification so it would have to be a like point of you know whatever mm. but it just means whatever money that i didn't use getting that special edition switch i'll probably just spend on a pro anyway yeah like you know when they eventually turn up yeah, and that that was obviously a consideration of mine, but mm. e- even then, I was like, "Well, this is still a nice thing as a Nintendo fan and a N- Nintendo collector to have." So you know, I'm still going to go and get a Switch Pro whenever that comes out. But yeah. I got to be honest, like getting a brand new system, it kind of uh, eased me a bit, sort of wanting to get a Pro. Like a lot of the reason I wanted a Pro was sort of just like the wear and tear on my system at the moment. So I was like, oh, it'd be good to get a brand new Switch, but actually getting a new Switch and having the Joy-Cons like like click on and be real sturdy and not having cracks and having a, a screen without scratches and that, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm okay for another <laughs> few months <laughs> just yeah. because of that. Yeah, but then the Switch Pro will come out and- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Of oh. course. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it eventually decides to hit. But I mean, I sort of got the same, uh, same bit of catharticism that I did with uh, repairing mine too. Hmm is um unfortunately at the moment i don't know the the kickstand's gone i can't find it <laughs> i can't find it it's gone i don't know where it's gone and i'm really i'm really mad about it but oh. obviously arthur's run around run around with it and he's dropped it somewhere and there goes the kickstand so that sucks but i'm going to look into replacing that anyway it's okay no yep. no real big deal anyway um regardless of that point uh you know it it was it was a sort of cathartic thing to be like you know, here is my old console. Let's fix up its, you know, little wear and tears. And, you know, the only thing that it's got left now is the broken vent. But again, it's a problem that most people have. Um, and slot in some new Joy-Cons, chuck on a new screen protector and voila, it looks nice. Yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely understand the feeling. Obviously, it's not the same as buying a new Switch, but um, it definitely breathed a lot more life into it for me after looking at it and being very depressed that it is going south yeah and so yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like getting a it's kind of like getting a new case for your phone in some ways because you know have yeah. like oh i wish i had the oh, new iphone or whatever it is but mm. if you just go and get a nice case replace it clean it up you're like this feels new yeah it's, it's kind of the same what, what you did and the opposite of what I've done, but like, it's <laughs> yeah. like when, when I first took it out the box and I put on the Joy Cons, it just like clicked on like super hard and mm. pr- pressing the button to get them off. I'm like, oh my god! Like my um, like my other switch, all I had to do is like just flick it and it would come off. Mm. Like yeah. it got to the point where I didn't even have to press in the button for one side. See, was it your rails that were the problem with that? 
Because I actually had a pretty opposite problem in that standpoint in that replacing the Joy-Cons, it, it felt fine. Main, probably because I didn't remove them very often at all. But, you know, they still clicked in like they were, like I remembered them when I first got the console and all that stuff. Once I got a new pair. Mm. Now, mine got really loose. Yeah, so was the rails. Yeah. yeah. Yep, no, fair enough. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess my rails were just sturdy. Yeah. Mm. No, but absolutely stunning console. As soon as I got it out the box, I was just like, yes, I'm I'm happy I've done this. I've, I'm happy I've spent the 150 bucks to swap it over and... Mm. Um, even if a pro comes out in two months or whatever, I'm I'm still happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a sort of big debating point for that Monster Hunter console for me. I'm like, oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, that's gorgeous and gorgeous console. In the most recent <laughs> Nintendo Direct, that's coming to the states as well. So, well, if you're in the states, you can get your hands on it too. Because I know a lot of people were kind of like, oh man, why isn't it coming here? Because you know what Nintendo Americas are like with some of these um limited editions and stuff, where it's just they don't bring them. Guys, I'm sorry, boohoo. <laughs> <laughs> but how much but how much shit that you, you get that we don't like look at our um breath of the wild limited edition oh yes completely missing a switch case like um out of the package very and annoying it was, and it was the same price yeah you know that shit happens to us all the time like we almost we pretty much deserve that win if that was exclusive because we've been ripped out of so much limited edition shit from packages yeah when it comes to uh you know switch stuff that um, it's pretty freaking unfair. Yeah, that that <laughs> Breath of the Wild one was heartbreaking because I when yeah. I saw it, I'm like, not only do I get a nice statue of the Master Sword and a, and a map of Hyrule, I get a Switch case, and that sort of eliminates the need to spend an extra thirty bucks yeah. on a Switch case. But uh, check EB Games at the time of pre-ordering, it's just not in there. I'm like, why? And it's still a hundred and seventy bucks. I'm like, god damn it. Yeah, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, but um. You know, I suppose that's where we got unlucky. Um, and it's happened a few times since. So it was kind of like when when people were talking about this Monster Hunter console and it not going to the US. And I'm just like, well, now you know how it feels. Because, <laughs> uh, my God, you know, we get we get skimped a lot over here. You just want to put your pain onto other people, don't you, Bryce? Exactly you're a, you're right. a mean man. Yeah. I'm a bit salty about Shining Fates, I think. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Everybody in America is like frantically opening it, and meanwhile, um, we when we pre-ordered, it was like release date of the nineteenth, like cool of February, like cool, no worries, and then it got pushed back to the fifteenth, so like nearly a whole month later, we're like, okay, yeah, all right, no worries, and then we got a text message the other day, and it's just like, oh, your other products are coming out on the fifteenth, be ETBs, so the, like the main portion of our pre-order yep. is not coming until like the twenty sixth. We're like. <laughs> what the fuck it's like no. your wedding's two days after that so we're not obvious we're obviously not going to be card opening around that time we're going to be preparing for the wedding so mm. we might go up and get them but we won't be opening them um and then we'll we'll probably have to hold our collection up until the point where we're both free and we can be like all right live stream this if we can you know manage to hold it ah uh, i reckon we will i reckon i reckon we will this time like you know the hype's gone the internet's opened them. Mm. They've got all the Charizards and stuff, and we'll just uh, trickle in a month or so later. Yeah, it's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt because you know, you know, like all these places, like all these places, especially you know, like America and all that, and Japan. Obviously, they they don't have too much of a problem, 
getting these things, but then when it comes to supply and demand, when they can't meet the supply in America, they stop shipping to Australia or whatever, and then they supply the rest of America before they send to Australia. And all of a sudden, like, I think, you know, I've put a couple hundred dollars down in pre-order. I don't know how much you put. Maybe, I think it was about the same, wasn't it? I mean, for the deposit, like 150 Whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. You put down it worked a, out to be. Yeah. Put put down a fair bit for the pre order. Mm. Um, bit too much. Yep. <laughs> and we got and we got knocked back knocked back a month and a half. It's like god damn it, god damn it. And I like uh, when I commented about it um, on Twitter and uh, Jamie Penning, good old chatting Jamie Penning, our mate. Um, he said, uh, you know, this happened with Champions Path, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, and like I understand, you know, the supply and the demand thing. But if that's the case, then why even just like, give us an approximate date rather than just, like, because, you know, we we obviously made plans around it and then we had to shift those plans once. Now we've had to shift them again and to an unspecified date, um, which is a little bit irritating. <laughs> yeah, I like, I was really looking forward to it going yeah. into February, so. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I guess it happens. But we are, it, these days we are used to, like, worldwide releases and all that. Like, it never used to be like that. And I think this is just a a sign of those times where it's like, all right, America gets it, then Australia gets it, then I don't know. New Zealand might even be later than that. Who yeah, knows? true. Cutting off the end of the conversation, though, um, I, I uh, went to Toy Kingdom yesterday. Oh, and what did you pick up? After work. Um, I didn't pick up anything because I don't have anything at the moment. Oh. But I got, I'm got. i getting Facebook updates of when Pokemon cards are coming into that shop. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I had- Can, uh, can I sign up for it too? <laughs> Is that I, a- I could just send you the updates. Because uh, Helen said, um, she goes, oh, do you want me? Like, I'll call them again because she's obviously been waiting for, for them to come in because she's got a few people around town that are collectors. Yeah. And she's like, um, do you want me to message you on Facebook or something um, after I give them a call? I'm like, yeah, sure. So she's let me know. And she's like, oh, we've got them invoiced next week. We should have Rebels, uh, Rebel Clash and Vivid Voltage. I'm like, oh, sweet. No worries. All right. I'll pop them in next week and get a few. Yeah. So- there you go. If, right. you, if, if you do feel like opening Pokemon cards, we are going to have some in mm. town. So. I actually, I was in um, Mount Gambia the other day and there was a, it seems like they just like get the boxes in waves. So at the moment, it's just full of uh, Alakazam boxes. Mm. Just like, you know, with, with the big card and uh, yeah, the, four, the, uh, the Vivid four, Voltage one. Yeah, yeah, the Vivid Voltage um, booster uh, packs. Mm. So I'm like, I, look, I was looking at them. There's a fair few of them as well. I'm like, nah, I'll, I'll leave it. Yeah. I'll, I'll just save my cards now until um I didn't mean to make that dumb pun. Um, I reckon I'll just <laughs> save them until um yeah shining fates. I I don't mind um like every now and then after work I will I will go across the toy kingdom and I'll just be like I'm trying to support them and it's pretty much the only way I'm going to <laughs> is through Pokemon cards. Yeah, you got to go and buy a bike. Well, yeah, and a bike I can't ride. You know, you can't ride a bike. Didn't learn how to ride a bike. Not a, not a, not a child's bike. No. Get a man bike. A man bike. I don't think they have many, and especially probably none that support well my weight. I think they. I do. have been thinking about buying a bike, mind you. <laughs> they do do adult but, bikes because that's where my mum always goes to get her bike. Talking to them. Oh, fair enough. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> in the short term, anyway, and like in the more consistent term, that's. I'll, I'll try to go there and, you know, grab my Pokemon cards and that's where I'll go. So, yeah. It's just been a wait because it's like, damn, you're out of stock. And then they're just like, <sighs> yeah, when are they coming? They're next, in the next three months. 
Excellent. Excellent. I will let the bunch of people know that are asking. See you later. You know, and apparently it's been a very frustrating process just to get them back. Were they getting any shining fates? Did you ask that question? No, they aren't. No. They aren't. No, can't no. get them. No, um, because they because um they only order in booster boxes. They don't order in any of the um, okay. you gotcha. know, whatever collections and stuff. The yeah. collections and stuff. They only order in boosters. So the next thing that they'll have will be after this lot of Rebel Clash and Vivid Voltage is Battle Styles. Um. Which, funnily enough, I think Battle Stars will be out before we even get our friggin' Shining Fates. So. It will be if there's no delays, yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. Mm. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, the Pokemon card fiasco goes on in yeah, the House of Mario. That, that it does. <laughs> um, so, I guess just going back to the Switch, sort of uh, as the um, as the limited edition Mario Switch came out, on the same day, uh, Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury also came out and I was lucky enough to get a review code from Nintendo Australia. Lucky son of a bitch. Lucky son of a bitch. Thank you very much, Bryce. <laughs> I am a lucky son of a bitch. So thank you very much to Nintendo Australia for giving me the opportunity to uh, give that game a whirl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess getting the 3D World portion of the game out the way, if you weren't a Wii... What the hell was that? Your phone. <laughs> That's right. As long as it wasn't my drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know what you and drinks uh, go on like. Yes. Uh, they They spill. Yes. That's how they go. All over um, the road. Yeah. So if you, if you weren't... <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> if you weren't a Wii U owner and you didn't play 3D World, I think um, it's just a, a really fun Mario game. Multiplayer couch co-op. You can now play it online. Um, I think a few people have posted sort of um, some screenshots and some gameplay videos of like the online not holding up all that well. No. Yeah. Um, personally, I haven't given it a go. I've only been playing the game in handheld mode on the Switch, so by myself i don't want to play with people I, I don't really necessarily care unless like someone comes over then that's when that game really shines because you can like pick Couch up co-op you know yeah 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 i think so i think that i think the 3d world really shines in um couch co-op and uh going back through it i've only sort of like gone between the two modes so i'm only slowly going through 3d world at the moment mainly because i've already played it so i'm going through it just like 100 percenting each level as i go along so um, I don't have to like backtrack and stuff and forget about it. Um, but it, I'll, I'll be honest. I sort of am um, going through the f- uh, first three worlds again. I'm like, you know what? I think I kind of in some ways under underestimated this game a little bit. Uh, I, I never said, oh, you know, it's a bad game or anything. But I think like I think I'm having more fun playing it in handheld mode than I was on the Wii U on the TV. And I always, I always preferred 3D Land be- to World because playing it on the 3DS, that sort of just progress through the level and collect the three coins and mm. um, go on your way. That just really suited the handheld. Whereas when it came to the Wii U, we were like, you know, coming off the Wii with Mario Galaxy and you know, just like big, epic, sort of orchestrated music. And, you know, 3D World, it's just a completely different beast. So you don't necessarily get that. Um, but playing it on just on the handheld mode and just being able to like discover all the secrets and all that, I, I'm just having so much fun with it going through that. So, That's good. Um and I think, honestly, I actually forgot about this, but in the Direct, they did mention, uh, sorry, the Direct, like, September last year, or the Mario uh, 35th anniversary stuff, they did mention that they um, increased the running speed for the characters, for the movement. And I think, honestly, that just changes it a fair bit because it's just like, it just speeds up the game, so it makes it a bit more uh, a bit more fun in some ways. I don't know, really know why or how, but... Um, the original speed is fun. <laughs> speed is fun. Speed is fun. Remember that, kids. Speed is fun. Oh, God, no, don't remember that. That sounds terrible. But 
but yeah, in more ways than one. So just I think for just a 3D world alone, fantastic. Pick it up if you didn't own a Wii U or if you feel like replaying it. If you did have a Wii U, um, I think it's worth the money. But I think uh, where it's just the most interesting feature comes from is Bowser's Fury. And when we sort of saw this in the uh, trailers, it was pretty weird that they sort of did an open world-esque Mario game in the 3D world engine. Mm. It's like the most contained Mario game they've ever made <laughs> uh, 3D-wise. And this is the sort of uh, the engine they're using to make just a sort of an open area, one of the biggest open areas in any Mario game ever made. But ha- how it sort of works is you start off with an area and you've got to uh, collect the, the cat shrines um, to basically tame Fury Bowser and, you know, defeat him in the end. I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. I'm just taking this game really slow. I'm not in a rush. I know, a lot of, I know it's like a pretty, um, e- like not easy mode, but it doesn't take that all that much time. I think it's about the 10-hour mark to uh, finish the game or even six hours if you're good. But, you know, I'm just taking it slow. I'm sort of exploring every area. And you, you start off and you've got like an area you've uh, got to explore. You get all the shrines and... Uh, that opens up enough shrines to get the Giga Bell. You get big, you can beat Bowser. When you beat Bowser, it sort of unlocks another part of the world and you just sort of progress through the world like that. And when you're like opening all these different areas, it just makes you like really hone in on each area of the world. So you're not just like rushing around and just like going past and seeing nothing. Like you're actually like checking out every intricate little level. And there's like different ways you can sort of unlock these shrines. Sometimes they're pretty simple. You've got to complete a task. Other ones you've got to sort of get Bowser when he's in his fury mode to um, smash these blocks to reveal a hidden path so you can get a shrine like that. So you've got to like utilize your time with Bowser to get some of these hidden secrets. And uh, I think uh, the thing what stood out to me the most was just like the amount of toys there are in this world. So like, for example, Cooper shells, you can pick them up and you can run with them and you can press a button to hop in the Cooper shell and you can like skim across water and sort of bounce around. And uh, hit enemies for a certain amount of time until you get dizzy, and like you come out the shell and you're like, dizzy and stuff. And you can also ride the dinosaur uh, Plessy as well, and she's just so much fun to ride. So she just like skids across the water, and you can jump onto land and just slide across it. And you can just feel like how slippery that thing is. Like it's just like disgusting how it feels, but it feels really good. Like you can just slide across stuff and knock off enemies, and it's just so much fun. And it reminds me of um being a kid in Bob on Battlefield, where you're just like you know you you're just mucking around with the wing cap or you're going to um, knock out the Cooper so you can ride his shell and you can see how long you can be on the shell without running into a wall and losing the uh, the power and stuff. So um, I think it's just like a really fun sort of play box. They've done a lot to make it a lot of fun and um, I'm just having an absolute great time with it. And to our, I guess, conversation a couple of weeks ago, how you are saying, oh, wouldn't this be cool for like a proper full-fledged Mario game? And, I can I can actually really see a Mario game which is like 100% open world. And I know that sounds kind of weird for like Mario and like a platformer, but I think it can work really well how it sort of like unlocks as it goes on and eventually you've got this sort of massive world where you can just sort of play in. Like even if you don't want to play the game and collect the stars or the shrines or the shines, um, you can sort of just muck around with it. And I would absolutely love to see something like that where you can just like get your wing cap and just fly and see what you come across, whether you go up in the air and go to a cloud level or you go underwater and you can find a secret city. I don't know. I could really imagine um, something like that. Yeah. Because Mario Odyssey, there's like there's like lots of different little playgrounds you can go and um, 
discover and stuff and you've got like a lot of versatility how you can throw the cap and become like the different enemies and stuff and that i think that works really well um but seeing just like a even like the mushroom kingdom or something just like explore that and just see how vast it is yeah i think that'd be cool and it's something i never really thought about because it just sounds kind of silly like an open world mario game but i think it could work really well Mm. Mm. yeah do you have any questions not particularly not particularly i think that Personally, I think the game's pretty straightforward. Um, it's definitely not my favorite Mario game, and I have my own gripes with it, just so, in general. So this is 3D World on the Wii U? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not my game, and, you know, I I definitely have gripes with it. And, you know, Bowser's Fury looks awesome, and I really want to play it. Um, but unfortunately, being another Wii U port, and I'm a little bit contradictory on this because I've bought most Wii U ports. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm kind of holding off on this one because, um, you know, I, I feel like once I've had my time with the game, you know, before, um, that now it's it's not really going to change all that much for me, and that once I play through Bowser's Fury, it's gonna lo- I'm gonna lose interest pretty quickly, and that's the first thing I would tackle because that's obviously <laughs> that's the thing I'm most interested in. Yeah, I'd I'd probably say if if um you've played the game or you're just not interested in the 3D world portion, um. I guess like I'm a big Nintendo fan and Mario is one of my favorite games ever. It is for you too, I know. Yeah. But yeah. um, I think 80 bucks, like it's a bit of a push for Bowser's Fury, but I, honestly, I could see it being worth it. Yeah. And I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm just, yeah, because because the main bulk of the game is Mario 3D World, which is a game that I don't really high and like have in high regards as it is. Like it's, it's all right, but it's, you know, 3D land is where... That concept was explored and kind of died with it for me. I'm kind of like, all right, seen this, don't need to see it again. And then it was sort of just that concept again. I'm like, all right, bored. <laughs> um, I got through it in a, in a single day and tossed it. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think Bowser's Fury is interesting enough for me to, you know, give it a crack again. But. Right now, it, it's such it's such a difficult time in terms of like games coming out where I'm like, and and <laughs> <laughs> just you, you got your side chicks just like yeah yeah that one's coming up soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you, you've got on your screen right now. You've got Scramble, right? You've got Persona Five Scramble. You want to play that because they were like, oh yeah, it's not really a sequel, but it is. It's a sequel to the story mm. of Persona Five. So that alone is like bam right there. Um, Monster Hunter World uh, wrapped up its content um, recently, uh, I think, entirely. They actually wrapped it up ages ago, but then they brought out uh, the Miller Djokovic um, stuff for the Monster Hunter World movie, uh, Monster Hunter movie in Monster Hunter World. But apart from that, Monster Hunter World's been gone for a while, which means that, you know, Rise is next up. And playing the demo to that, I'm like, that this is awesome and I really want to play that. And that I know is going to be somewhat of a time consuming oh, thing. Yeah. If if it I is. want if I want to min max <laughs> and like all that shit. So, you know, you've got that and then further on down the line there there is a lot of stuff. Yeah. April's Pokemon Snap. Yeah. At the end, so that'll take up a couple of hours. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Pokemon Snap and then uh what was it, June, July? Or uh, June is Mario Golf, but we'll mm. we'll get into that bad boy. Yep, and uh, July is Skyward Sword. Yeah, 
which, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of it, yeah, I'm, thinking, so, I'm thinking about picking it up again. Yeah, when um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll just talk about this Scald Sword bit here, I guess, because that's where the conversation's going. But when Scald Sword came up, I just saw the blue sky. I'm like, oh yes, Wind Waker. HD. <laughs> then I saw like the birds. Like, oh no! no. <laughs> I knew it's it as soon sword. as I saw it, saw the sky. I'm like, oh, that's Skyloft. Yeah. Like, oh boy. So I guess a uh, a bit of background. Like I I quite enjoyed Skulled Sword, but it had a lot of problems, and it's a bit of a yeah. it's a bit of a pain to sort of get through. And mm-hmm. I just I couldn't see myself doing it again. So when they said, oh, it's it's coming out. Do you want to buy it? I'm like, I don't know if I do. But I probably will. I've got those Joy-Cons pre-ordered. Um, definitely getting them. They're just gorgeous Zelda Joy-Cons. Yeah. So I'll be getting them, of course. I'm a, I'm a sucker, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I reckon, like, look, I will pick up Skyward Sword, I reckon. But we'll see how far I get through it. I get this urge, and it's often an urge that where I'm like, maybe I should ask Drew. But I get this urge every few years where I'm just like, I should play through Skyward Sword again. And it's not because I particularly love Skyward Sword or anything like that, because like games like Twilight Princess and stuff like that, I will restart all the time. And I'm like, all right, I want to get through this, you know, all that stuff and play it. Um, But Skyward Sword is one of those games I've finished once and Mm -hmm. I've only ever finished it once. And there's a very good reason for it. And rewatching old Game Grumps clips and stuff like that reminds me of why I've only ever finished it once yeah. when we're talking about like the note quest where you've got to collect 60 notes in the water forest. I hate that. And then <laughs> the repeating areas three times, like recycled areas, the very empty Skyloft and stuff like that. But the thing about Skyward Sword is not, it's not even so much about all that that makes me want to go back and play it. It is because it is a lore heavy game with a very nice art style and an interesting concept of combat. Absolutely. Yep. Which is the things which is the things that make me like Skyward Sword, but unfortunately its negatives outweigh its positives. So it is kind of like the only reason I want to go back and play it again is so that I can appreciate those things while trying to understand why exactly they made the arbitrary decision to make it such a linear game. <laughs> Because it is so terribly linear in comparison to its predecessor, aka Twilight Princess, like un- unbelievably, and like people compl- like complained about the wolf sections, like even you, like the- with the tears and all that stuff. I and- didn't complain about them. I just sort of acknowledged that you know they're not the greatest, right? Yeah, but you know, I don't. I they don't really bother me that much because, especially in the Kakariko section in Twilight Princess, there was like a good portion to like push along the story with the bomb with the bomb storage and stuff like mm. that as well you know like there was things happening in those wolf sections oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely i look i said i don't hate yeah. them but yeah um i know what you're going on to and i i agree <laughs> but skull <and> sword <laughs> it's like collect these collect these tears like you did as wolf link but for a, a bit of triforce it's like yep and they're so stressful because they're timed yeah, and you get hit by one thing and you die and you have to restart again. I hate it. It is stupid. <laughs> like, there is so many arbitrary time-wasting decisions, like, in in Skyward Sword that are absolutely maddening. But the combat is very unique in comparison to any other Zelda. And the fact that they've made it so that you can be played non-motion control now and with the stick is pretty much exactly how I'd imagined it to be. Um, and that's good. That's a very positive thing. 
but um you know just just looking at it from that perspective of like you know this 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 game is meant to be set out like every fight is a puzzle and that's something we've obviously discussed before and that's great um is definitely the bulk of the game um but unfortunately it's like they had all these ideas and then they completely forgot they're like oh shit we haven't fleshed out Hyrule at all <laughs> what do we do uh well I guess just make them revisit each area <laughs> just to fill it out. And it's like, great, thanks. Mm. Yeah, especially having two of the areas being very similar to one another as well. Yeah, shit. Like, what was it? You got, like, the forest and then you've got the forest underwater and then you've got uh, the volcano and then you've got the volcano but you have no items. Yeah, you've got, like, the volcano, like, the fire sort of area and you've got the desert and they're just, like, you know, very similar in tone. Like yeah. the, the forest is um, some of the only greenery you sort of get. That's right. And they turned it into the water level. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you've got you've got a forest, you get a forest, you get a volcano, and you get a desert. Historically, in every Zelda, it's been forest, volcano, lake. But instead, it's like forest, lake, volcano, volcano, desert, desert. And nobody likes deserts mm. <laughs> in Zelda games. I think um, the desert, that had one of the most um, sort of eye-opening and just amazing sort of sequences leading up to the dungeon in that area though oh yeah yeah i don't want to say anything because there's a lot of new people discovering yeah that's the game right. for the first time this year but um like yeah there, there are some moments in that where it's like wow this is this is just top tier nintendo and there's other moments just like can you not put this in the game yeah why was this <laughs> necessary and like yeah. and unfortunately there is there is a lot of glaring problems like that with skyward sword but again it is that it is that thought of like there is lore here and interesting combat and a, a unique and gorgeous art style that makes me go i would really like to play that again and that's pretty much the only reason mm. you know otherwise you know all the repetitiveness and stuff like that i'm going to be going back through this game i'm going to be experiencing the same thing again whether it be uh Let's not talk about the imprisoned or, you know, Girahim several times or, you know. At like, least Girahim was relatively fun. Oh, yeah. He's a good character. Yeah. But just like, you know, as 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 far as repetition goes, Skyward Sword is the king of it. Yeah. They just they just sort of copy and paste just to just prolong every game. Yeah. 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 I want to I want to highlight the soundtrack too. It was also, oh, yeah. Beautiful soundtrack. Yeah. It was the yeah. first um, orchestra um in the whole Zelda series to actually do that, the orchestral sort of soundtrack. And yeah. I got the addition with the Wiimote <clears throat> and the soundtrack and I used to listen to that in the car all the time. It was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of the, I reckon the best music in the series, mm. just fantastic. So um, if you if you haven't played it, if you didn't have a Wii back in 2011, definitely give this a go. But um, just know that there are moments in this where it's like it can drag on. Yeah. But I think it is worth it for a, uh, the shining parts. My personal opinion on it is that yes, play it once, but you're going to realize very quickly that you'll probably never play it again unless you really have that itch and a time to fill. Unless they re-release it on another console. Well, <laughs> that, that that's the only reason I'm probably going back for it. Yeah, I I couldn't see myself going back to Wii. No, no absolutely way. not. Yeah. And I'd like to uh, mention that. Uh, and this is a pretty commonly pointed out thing, but uh, Skyward Sword back, uh, you know, 10 years ago was released with a golden Wiimote for, I think it was like... Oh, yeah, right. An yeah. extra 20 bucks. 
Maybe. It was like a hundred it was hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, hundred and twenty dollars and it came with the soundtrack and a Wii Remote Plus just in case you didn't have one because you needed one for the game. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck <laughs> is the game eighty dollars? And then we have a $110 pair of Joy-Cons sitting there. Guys, couldn't you have you just packaged it for a little bit less? You know, just to reserve the spirit of Skyward Sword. Like, because honestly, mm. you know what Skyward Sword felt like with that Wii remote? Wii Play. You know why? Oh, Jesus. Because the game is copy-pasted, but it come with a nice Wii remote, so why not? <laughs> wow. <laughs> just put, put a Skyward Sword in the Wii Play tier. Yeah, in the Wii Play tier. Yeah, it just sold nowhere near as well. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> no, nowhere near. Um, but yeah, d- definitely give it give it a go on Switch. Um, yeah, when, sure. it, when it comes to July, I'm, I'm going to make my decision there. Obviously, I'm probably going to pick it up. We'll see how far I get through it. Mm. Because like... I, th- I think largely the decision is going to come down to when they're putting out Breath of the Wild. Mm. Uh, well, Breath of the Wild 2. It won't be July. No, it won't be, but... Mm. Mm. We'll talk about that a, a little bit later in the show. So before we get into the news, I just want to talk about um, a bit of retro sort of adventure I went on. So I've always wanted to uh, mod a Game Boy Advance. Yes. And uh, I was thinking about doing one myself and I was on like Facebook Marketplace and eBay and stuff like trying to get a, ga- a Game Boy so I could rip out the motherboard and get a kit and put one together myself. But it turned out, you know, I kept on messaging people and trying to get information to purchase one, but uh, they never got back to me or the always whatever. So I'm like, you know what? It's probably easier if I just get one that's already custom made and then hopefully they do a really nice job on it and it'd be like a really nice unit. So I came across a site, an Australian site called um, Game Boy Custom. And uh, it's a guy from Queensland and he customizes Game Boys and handheld systems of every sort of brand depending on what's most popular and he does like a heap of original Game Boy Advances and Game Boy Advance SPs. So I went through the website and I came across this red one which I absolutely love so it's all red shell, red D-pad, all red buttons, um, sort of red border around the screen itself. It's, also, it's got an IPS version 2 screen so it's backlit which mm. the original Game Boy Advance wasn't. Yeah. Personally I can't even friggin' see the non-backlit version. <laughs> I remember looking at yours back in the day. I'm like, I can't, I, I honestly can't really see it. Mate, we deal with it. That's how it works. Yeah, I'm sure you did. And I would have, I would have too. I would have too. Um, but yeah. And it, it's also got a rechargeable battery in it. So it recharges through USB-C. Mm. And yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I absolutely love the thing. I absolutely love it. Oh, I, yeah. um, I got it yesterday and I put in my original copy of Pokemon Emerald. And I was a bit like, I was up to like the sixth uh, badge in Pokemon Emerald. So played about three hours of it last night, just grinding out and um, adding to my team. And it was just really nice, especially with all this stuff on the House of Mario Encore I've been doing, going through all the regions and that. And I had like a, had like a big episode where I'm going through the whole Hoenn region and you know, talking about my memories and all the stuff in there. I'm like, I've, I really feel like playing this game again. So just like a perfect time to sort of pick this bad boy up. And especially since uh, the fiasco last year when the um, an- analog pocket got sold out in about two minutes. So I was going to get one of them, but it didn't happen. So yeah. now I've got the, the custom Game Boy, and it's really awesome. A and beautiful little Game Boy. Yeah. And I, I was actually pretty worried because when you're just buying, like it's just like some random site. It's not like, you know, Amazon or something. I usually stick to the bigger stuff just so I know that it's legit. I'm like, I hope this guy's like a legit person or whatever. And it was. It came in. 
And thank God for that. Hmm. I paid um two fifty Australian for it, so they're not cheap things. But you know, it is like, like literally a, a one man job. Someone's just like redoing these and reselling them on. So you know, it's not a mass market product or anything. So no. So you know, you got to you got to pay for it, I guess. But it's just a really nice sort of a bit to add into my collection and give me the ability to play Game Boy Advance games just really nicely on a nice screen and rechargeable on USB C instead of the the big fat. Game Boy Advance SP sort of charger, having to find that and plug that in. So you want to plug the man or? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's um, yeah, GameBoyCustom.com. There you go. Yeah. And uh, I found them I found them through Instagram. Their main sort of uh, social media platform is on Instagram. So um, the Facebook marketing machine got to me because I was, I was just like, on a kick. Like every, I was just Googling it, YouTubing it, seeing people make them and came up from Instagram. I'm like, Oh, you're Australian. I'll go into your site. I like that red one. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I've just been on like a big red kick recently. I was just like red hardware. So I went and bought the uh, the Pulse Red Xbox uh, controller. I got the red Switch. <laughs> got the red Game Boy Advance. I went on to Facebook market Marketplace the other day and I finally got my first DSi XL. I got a red one of them. So that's coming in the post the next day or next week or so. Got the... the the Pokeball Red uh, 3DS. Um, so that's pretty much like my platforms all redded up. Yeah, and now you're just going to send in your PlayStation 5 for custom plates. You're going to de-show your Xbox Series S and get that done. No, yeah. no, 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 not the actual console. I like <laughs> I like the PS5 how it is. I see like people like making them black and stuff. I'm like, I like the white. <laughs> so I'll leave it white. Maybe a red controller though. Red um, DualSense controller would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 so yeah that's been my bit of a bit of a retro kick I, I, i'm always sort of going on like i get like in a real retro mode and i just want to like play game boy games and game boy color games and ds games and all that yeah and i'm on one of them at the moment yep and it's a you got a nice beautiful companion to do it with yeah good job yeah all right so bryce let's jump into some news and the first bit of news is actually kind of relevant to the the game boy and uh, game boy advance sort of a uh, retro scene so let's get into it so one of the most heartbreaking things of 2020 bryce i know there's a lot of hard things that happened that year i was this might have been the hardest one. And uh, just before I get into it, that was a joke. Don't take offense to this. <laughs> uh, the analog pocket, it got sold out for pre-orders in like the first two minutes. Didn't get my hand on one. For anyone that doesn't know what a retro, not a, not a retro, an analog pocket is, it's basically like a really upmarket Game Boy that plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and has adapters for other platforms like Neo Geo and stuff like that. It's just like a really sort of premium retro game playing machine that you can also buy a dock for and play on your TV. Yep. So it operates like Nintendo Switch. And it was it was like basically the thing I've been wanting someone to make for ages. And mm. someone's finally making it so I'm like, "All right, I'm going to be there. I'm going to I'm going to buy one of these things." And I had like 500 bucks down on, you know, the system, uh, you know, screen protector, you know, just all the accessories, the dock itself. I'm like, "I want one of these cuz I just want to play my games in HD on the TV." And just like really get into the Game Boy Advance library like that. Um, but it sold out real quick. But there's an article from IGN that uh, sort of goes into how they're going to try and restock things. 
So the article from IGN reads, If you missed out pre-ordering Analog Pocket's gaming handheld, there's good news. Additional pre-orders are coming and Analog says it's implementing bot and scalper protectors to help ward off resellers. <sighs> Bastards. Uh, in a new post, Analog laid out their plans for 2021 pre-orders. Analog says that they're implementing robust bot protection and all orders placed using bots will be cancelled and inventory will be uh, relocated to real customers. Human Scalpers Analog says they'll be working with eBay to monitor accounts selling access to pre-orders, which is against eBay's terms of service, and will cancel them. So the quote from Analog is, The current global state of affairs has resulted in consequences that have affected the worldwide supply chain and has temporarily slowed down our ability to keep many of our products in stock and reduced production capacity for pocket, Analog said. We are aware that many users are frustrated that pocket pre-orders sold out quickly and both Super NT and Mega SG are currently unavailable. Um, the analog pocket is effectively a modern reimagining of the Game Boy, featuring a sleek minimalist design, uh, a Game Boy-like envisioned by a PS4 designer. Uh, the pocket is compatible with 270, uh, 200. 2,780 Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance cartridges. It also works with cartridge adapters for Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket, Atari Linux, and others. Uh, though it has 10 times the resolution of the Game Boy screen, the Pocket can also utilize an original display mode to replicate the original game's look. As if that weren't enough, the Pocket also features its own music creation and game design software. Um, yeah, so that's that's another thing, actually. Like You can plug it into your thing, to your computer, and you can use it as a sort of you know how um chip tune artists use like the game boy um uh, yeah. sound card yeah like you can actually plug it in and use like the software to do your own music and create your own games it's a dev kit for game boy oh that's cool so it does like so many things so i was just over the moon that this thing existed so i was just all on but hopefully throughout the rest of this year they do open up some uh some pre-orders because i would like to finally get in there mm. so yeah, just a nice. bit of news if anyone else is out there who also wants one of these things all right, so before we get into the uh, Nintendo Direct sort of roundup as well, um, this was a big thing that happened over the last week, Bryce. So and this is from IGN as well. So uh, Dinosaur Planet, playable version oh, of Rare's cancelled Nintendo 64 game leaks online. Mm. And this was nuts. I, I saw that you retweeted this is where I first saw it. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like nuts. So Massive news. We'll read the article and we'll jump into it, Bryce. So Rare's cancelled Nintendo 64 game uh, known as Dinosaur Planet which ended up being repurposed into the GameCube's Star Fox Adventures, has leaked online and is fully playable. Forest of Illusion on Twitter released the files to Dinosaur Planet and shared some screenshots of the game that featured Star Fox's Fox McCloud. Um, so from Forest of Illusion um, on Twitter, they say, Today we have released Dinosaur Planet by Rare for Nintendo 64. The development was halted and moved to the GameCube where it was released as Star Fox Adventures. Enjoy! And they post a link to the ROM dump as well as uh, many screenshots where it's like just seeing this game in motion is just like, oh, my God, especially as a Nintendo fan and hearing about it and sort of like the history behind Star Fox Adventures to actually see the original Nintendo 64 game is just like kind of mind-blowing. It's mad. Mm. Mm. Furthermore, while this version of Dinosaur Planet is not currently, uh, well, not currently one run 100% on any emulator, Forest of Illusion states it will work perfectly with uh, perfectly fine with flashcards. So if you've got a flashcard for your Nintendo 64, which uses micro USB or 
um, anything like that, you'll be able to play it pretty well apparently. I've been seeing a lot of people that they've had to like change some um, formatting and some names in the files to get it to run um, perfectly, but I'm sure if you do want to try that out, you can uh, get onto Reddit or something. Uh, continuing on, Forest of Illusion purchased a disc from a uh, private game collector in Sweden but had a build of Dinosaur Planet on it from December 1st, 2000. It is said to be a late build of the game and uh, that it would uh, need some hacking to be fully playable to the end. Dinosaur Planet, as previously mentioned, becomes Star Fox Adventures and was released in 2002. Our review, we said Star Fox Adventures arrives as a truly excellent 3D uh, action adventure for the GameCube owners. It's a clear Zelda ripoff, <laughs> and though it's not quite as good, it's okay in my book. As Rare has still done plenty a good job on it. So, from your point of view, Bryce, what do you think of this? As just from a historical point, and would you like to play it? I probably will play it. But you know what? The funny thing is, is that actually, um, from what I've viewed so far, the start does not differ much from actual Star Fox Adventures mm, at okay. all. So, you have the first section you play a bit as Crystal um, and, you know, you run into general scales and all that stuff and then you play as Fox for a bit who is known as Saber in uh, Dinosaur Planet because it was before Fox was technically the character. But this build is also from a time where they made the switch to Fox. So Right, yep. Which is really strange, but yeah, that that is how it is. Um, and uh, yeah, you do the start the start section, and you're playing as Fox, and you you do the motorbike section, and then you meet Tricky, and like all of it is relatively the same. It's uh, really crazy how similar the build actually became from you know uh, scrapping the N64 lot and then going to the GameCube and using many of the same concepts. The only thing that did change drastically was the fact that they added in their own um uh, their own language for uh the well the dinosaurs but i can't remember what i can't remember what it was chrysolin or whatever anyway don't know some language <laughs> right um but it, it like overall um it's looking very similar to what um star fox actually came out in um, I'm interested in playing it uh, from a historical standpoint because technically I've already made my way, uh, most of my way through um, Star Fox Adventures anyway. So I know what the general outcome is, except um, <clears throat> obviously as you go further on, um, when it made the switch to Star Fox, plot things changed, like de- especially near the end. Right. Um, because, you know, they retconned in andros and falco in there somewhere and just just things like that um and obviously that's not going to be present in dinosaur planet um i because it's a nintendo 64 game i would imagine that it's drastically shortened down so um when somebody actually manages to get a playable build up that is finishable i will probably play it till the end um a lot of people remember snes and 64 as rare's big old golden era and i feel like you know, this game probably is within that that sentence as well. Um, but I think I think the mo- the reason most people don't like Star Fox Adventures is because it's not the Star Fox game they wanted. And you know what? Like, I completely understand it. But you know, this is a good look at what they were trying to create before it becomes Star Fox. 
So I think um, it's definitely going to be interesting to sort of judge it as its own product and see how it stacks up against like all the other Nintendo 64 titles and SNES titles that Rare did that were just absolute gems, whether it be, you know, Donkey Kong Country or, you know, Banjo-Kazooie, GoldenEye, all those games that hold such high value in Rare's catalogue. It'll be very interesting to see where this sits. Um, the other thing was, though, is on top of this and something that we haven't mentioned yet is that um, Rare had another leak before this, and that was the Xbox Arcade version of GoldenEye uh, 64. So that leaked about a week and a half before. Um, so that's a thing, but, you know, it's what you expect. It's GoldenEye 64. But mm. this Dinosaur Planet is a huge, huge undertaking, which means that the next thing that's probably going to be leaked if there's you know, things to be leaked at all is probably the original Conker's Conker's game, which was 12 Tales, which is obviously completely different to the final product. So (laughs) it'd be interesting to see if they have like a full build of that out there, something that's eventually going to get dumped because that was, you know, a 3D platformer that went missing and something that uh, Nintendo 64 was very you know, big four was 3D platformers uh, being, you know, Banjo or Mario 64 or what have you. So it'd be very interesting to see if uh, 12, 12 Towers comes out as the lost 3D platformer. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Because, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I want to go and give this game a go too, but um, it sounds like you need a flashcard to sort of get in there at the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I'm going to get in there when the hackers and all that have made it nice and easy for me. Yeah, just yeah. download and <laughs> exactly yeah. add it to my emulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, just really cool. All right, bro. So let's move on to the Nintendo Direct. Obviously, this was a big thing that happened last week, and mm-hmm. we we sort of missed the wave on this one. Unfortunately, we did. Um, but still, going to be worth talking about. <laughs> man, was it wasn't it exciting? Just like the day before, there's going to be a direct. Fifty minutes worth of content to uh, get our sort of uh, our teeth into, mm-hmm. and I was just like. Finally, it's here again. They're not dead. Um, you know, 17 months without a Nintendo Direct, um, I, I, a proper one. I think I think they never ended up finding a way to deliver news more effectively without people being like, where's my fucking Direct? Where's my Direct? <laughs> where's my fucking Direct? All us Nintendo podcasters, come on, give us a Direct. We uh, need to talk about something here. Uh, we're literally sitting here scratching our asses every week. Yeah, here's that Mario. Oh, Mario. I want a new Mario game. Uh, maybe they'll it. announce it in a direct. Maybe. Maybe they will. So mm. before we get into it, Bryce, what was, I guess if you had to give it a score out of 10, what would you give it? Um, uh, seven or eight. Seven or eight. Mm. I, I, I'll sit on an eight as well. I thought it was pretty great. You know, it, it, it didn't like blow my mind or anything, but I thought it was just, uh, you know, there was a fair few games in there. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. That's uh, either a purchase or a add to my wish list. Yeah. I, I think its major problem was is that um, it's got two anniversaries like wedged in yeah. like right now, which is uh, Pokemon and Zelda, which are in the same week. And a lot of people expected this Direct to contain probably a bit more than just Skyward Sword HD of all things. Um, and, you know... To a degree, maybe I did too. Maybe I expected a little bit more. Um, but, you know, the Smash announcement was enough to keep me hype. Mm. And Mario Golf, that rush mode looks fun as fuck. It does, yeah. <laughs> but 
So it's like going into it, I honestly didn't have any expectations. I was just like, I'm excited to see what we're going to get before June because at the moment we know, like, you know, Jack- like two games. <laughs> so I was just keen to see what it was. Um, I wasn't expecting Breath of the Wild 2. I wasn't expecting all these Zelda games. I wasn't expecting, you know, big game from said franchise. So um, I went in you know, pretty open-minded, whatever. But I know like a lot of people were disappointed because Breath of the Wild wasn't there. And it's like, I don't know, man. They're going to have their own separate direct. Yeah. Um, I just, before we jump into it, I do want to just say um, some some expectations uh, people had. So there's a poll on Nintendo Life. And uh, so going from the bottom, I guess. So the option was, nope, I had hoped for much more, especially after all this time. So 25% of people voted for that. Then 30% of people voted for, I expected a little more and I've been left slightly underwhelmed. And then 8% voted for, I'm not really sure either way, so whatever. And uh, 31% of people said, well, it wasn't mind-blowing. It did meet my expectations. And 7% of people said, yes, it was utterly, I was utterly blown away. So, you know, I guess the, the winning one was people weren't just blown out the water, but it was it was good. It was fine. And that, I guess that's what I would vote for too if I was voting on this poll. You know, it was good. We got some good get stuff out of it. I think uh, most Nintendo fans or even casual Nintendo fans would have gotten at least two games out of this they can look forward to and mm. add to their wish list and yeah. make a pre-order. And But I think uh, just like the – maybe some people got the expectation like 50 minutes is a long time. That is a long Nintendo Direct. So that can sort of put up the expectations as well. So I'm going to go through sort of the article from Vooks.net, who round it all up nicely. So we'll start off with uh, how they ended the Direct with uh, Splatoon 3. And this was a big surprise, mainly because, um, you know, Splatoon 3, it wasn't necessarily 100% on the cards to be, like, coming soon. But also that it was coming in 2022. When the trailer sort of finished, I went like, what? Because <laughs> they said, like, oh, this, this is content for, like, the first half of this year and we got like a fair bit of content that wasn't the first half of this year and is, is actually fairly far away so there were like a lot of still a lot of unanswered questions for like what we're going to be doing in 2021 mm-hmm. but anyways between three it's exciting that we're getting it it's kind of like metroid prime when they're like it's happening so i was like oh well thank god it's happening whatever it happens in eight years or whatever at least they acknowledge that they're going to be doing it relatively yeah. In like the next so many years. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the trailer started, it just like, it looks awesome just with, uh, you know, just like the weapons and being in that completely different theme as well, being in that desert theme. And uh, how, how sort of the last game, the last Splatfest was um, Chaos versus, I forgot what it was. But anyway, Chaos won. So this game is basically based on Chaos because of the results of the last Splatfest which I think is just a really cool idea. And I know Splatoon going into Splatoon 2 did the same thing as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I know it's like a few things going into this one where like the match starts and you're sort of on this like hovering platform and you aim sort of your reticule to the ground and that's when you dive down and start the match. So instead of all starting at the same place, you can sort of like aim your, I guess, reticule to uh, decide where you start. So that's just a thing right off the bat I noticed and, I hope um, I do hope this game sort of moves into um, a bit more modern day multiplayer sort of thing because when Splatoon two sort of came out, it was like the time Fortnite and a few of these other games were starting to pick up and sort of their models seemed a bit dated already. Yeah, 
Yeah. As good as it was, like it's all it's all free. You buy the game once and they update it with Splatfest, they update it with new weapons and stuff. So it's actually a really nice sort of consumer forward facing way. But um I think just like now with battle passes and just like the evolution of games and how they can constantly evolve and stuff, I think Splatoon three could definitely benefit from from that. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And do do you think that Splatoon and Nintendo would take such a drastic step to make Splatoon three I don't know about free to play, but maybe cheaper with like battle passes and that to supplement it. Or do you just see it being the same thing? Pay 80 bucks, no no microtransactions and rolling on the same sort of wheel as Splatoon 2. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they will. No, no. not until, not until they can justify, um, you know, having the playlist and like all that stuff. And that they, they, they could do so much with Splatoon as hmm. a concept. And they really need to work on like having a decent matchmaking system before they can even think about it. Yeah. Whether we get that in Splatoon 3 or Splatoon 4, who knows, <laughs> you know. But yeah. I'm hoping that it does happen eventually because the fact that, you know, after, what is it, like an hour or something like that, the maps rotate or, you know, what have you. It's yeah. That needs to go. That needs to go. Off the bat. Um yeah, I don't think they'll go free to play or sort of change up their model that much either because like with Fortnite, like it's on every platform you own in your house. There is nothing that it's not on. Yeah, it's on your fucking refrigerator. Yeah, so like, like free to play just gets gets it out there as much as possible whereas like this game is just on Switch. So making it free to play, there isn't, I don't know if there's that much benefit. Like this game's going to sell 10 million plus anyway, regardless. Like there's a big audience for Splatoon and, um, in Japan, it just went nuts. Like um, the Splatoon, t- uh, sorry, three trailer was more than the actual direct as far as views on YouTube. Yeah, like it doubled it. Like it was just nuts. So Japan has always been just crazy for Splatoon. So going to free to play, I don't. I honestly don't think they'll gain that many more players necessarily jumping into it. Obviously, they'll gain a few, um, a few million, not a few. But yeah. I don't think it'll be enough to be like, all right, drop the eighty dollar price price tag and make it free. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you there, but they do need to change some things up just like as far as, yeah, like you said, matchmaking, no more rotations, um, a few more modes, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. keen for that. Yeah. All right. So, we talked about uh, Skyward Sword <laughs> and uh, I was just, when Anuma came up, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's Anuma. Oh, my God. Like, I, I got excited and he's just like, now, you would expect, oh, so, sorry, some of you might be expecting that uh, I'll be talking about Breath of the Wild 2. I'm like. Yes, I would. Yeah. Yes, I would expect that, Anuma. What are you about to tell me? He's like, well, I've got nothing for you. I'm like- Not not right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, fair enough. You know, it's been it's been a tough year. It's a big game. Just give us a new trailer, man. Like, I don't even I don't even need that much to keep me satisfied. I just need a new trailer. Just do what uh, EA and Ubisoft do. Just make shit up. Just yeah. make it up. Yeah. Know? Like, mate, fuck, a, fuck, look, a trailer. fuck, look at Anthem. Jesus. They made that up to the point where it now no longer exists. <laughs> It's just like they could just put out a trailer. It's just like, oh look, it's Zelda, and there's ghosts here, and Link's got to go shoe ghosts, go away, and they go, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> it's like, well, isn't that a trailer? No, oh, yes, anything to satisfy my Zelda craving. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So no uh, Breath of the Wild two stuff yet, um, but I guess let's talk about sort of uh, the lack of, I guess, other Zelda news apart from Skull Sword. Um, obviously. <laughs> We, we just sort of celebrated the actual birthday for Legend of Zelda with the first game coming out in Japan this week. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Nintendo said nothing. Obviously, they're holding it because they have stuff to market later in the year. And that's when they'll say, it's Zelda's birthday. <laughs> so, I kind of wish they'd just acknowledge it, though. Yeah, they can They can at least say today was the release of, uh, you know, Legend of Zelda on NES. They didn't in- even fucking acknowledge it. Yes. Yeah. No. Guess it's Zelda's birthday. Yeah. But, like, regardless of that anyway, um, direct. Direct will happen. Like, it, it has to. Oh, yeah, of course. We had the Mario one. Like yeah. Zelda has to happen. Like, it's it's just money left on the table. They can sell us stuff. They oh, can yeah. sell us stuff. Yeah. The, the only thing I sort of think about is like, are they looking at their release radar for like the next two years and saying, oh, we're actually we're actually a bit bit light in a say the middle three months in two thousand and twenty two or something. So we're actually going to hold Wind Waker HD or something for that period i mean that's that's the only thing i can think about but it's definitely possible but like you mentioned with this direct where they said oh we'll be focusing about all the the stuff that's coming in the next six months or whatever and they lied and they lied (laughs) most (laughs) of it was not in the next six months they they always do though so you know know, so it, it is sort of a case of like um you know i have a feeling they'll be talking about zelda sooner rather than later all right like obviously we've got pokemon coming um uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm dead certain that everybody is convinced it's Diamond Pearl remakes for that. Um, and you know, Centro Pokemon Links has been posting every fucking thing they find. So, oh my god, someone, someone said that uh, it's Diamond Pearl remakes. It's like, what's, what's your source? It's like, well. It makes sense because it's the next game to be remade. Well, they, they, they reported on like a sound <laughs> file today that was like a remix. Yeah. yeah, like a remixed platinum song or something. Anyway, anybody could do it. My point being. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just a Glitch X City song or something. like. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so Zelda has to be uh, directified very soon, I reckon. Um, and Breath of the Wild 2, I think everybody is still fairly convinced that's the system seller for the pro. Um, yep. Which is why they haven't said much about it yet because they're also not willing to divulge on the fact there's a pro yet when they've got two limited edition consoles floating around at the moment. Mm. So they're trying to get people to buy them first before they go, yes, there's a pro. <laughs> oh, gosh, darn it. I just bought this red one. Oh, dear. Well, I guess I'll have to spend more money. That's most Nintendo fans, by the way. They just don't seem to understand that. It's like my wallet, it's empty, but I'll find that money. Don't you worry. Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like Nintendo is basically a drug dealer. It's like, oh, it's like you've got a Switch Pro. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll get the money somehow, Nintendo. <laughs> Please, Nintendo, don't beat me. It's like, well, you we would have had the money if you didn't buy all those PlayStation games. No. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to buy PlayStation. I just wanted to... I I just slipped a lapse. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Nintendo. My bank card slipped out of my wallet and oh. onto the FPOS machine. Yeah. Don't even talk about that Xbox you got there, sons. Oh, oh, I, didn't, I wish you didn't say that one. Mate, you're friends with Xbox. What's your problem with them? We're not that friendly. <laughs> <laughs> They're still our competitors. We want money. Um. Anyway, yeah. So um, I, I think uh, that could probably be why they're holding it. But in terms of the other stuff as well, uh, whether it be HD, the HDs that have already been brought out for Wii U being ported and stuff like that, yeah, they're definitely they're, they're definitely going to be filler games, like to fill in months. I think. Well, yeah. Um, I, I think there's no ifs and or buts about that. 
whatsoever. Which is which is fine, but I feel like that they, they they are running out of filler games for the Wii U. <laughs> I tell you what. So tell I, me, boss. I tell you what. I want them to release an app on the Nintendo eShop that is similar to the Kirby channel on the 3DS. Oh, yes. Right? You know, the Kirby channel? You oh, can watch episodes, how can I forget about the Kirby episodes channel? Of the, episodes of the Kirby anime? I want that, but I want the entire cartoon collection of The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, be... Oh, on the amps. Opposed to that, yeah. Well, excuse me, princess. There'll be like one day where I'm just like, I really want to hurt myself. Let's download some classic Zelda cartoons. <laughs> I really want to scar my memory of Zelda. Mm. Well, excuse me, princess. My day's been too good. Let's watch some Zelda cartoons. Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. All right, Bryce, let's move on to uh, Murray Golf Super Rush. Yes. Um, this was one a lot of people were, like sort of crossing their fingers for. And when I saw it, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I could th- actually go for a new Murray Golf. You know what? I can too. Um, I've never really got into a Mario Golf, to be honest. I was a big fan of 64. Huge fan of Mario Golf 64. Mm, I love that game. I've sort of like missed all of them. And um, at the start of uh, well, sometime last year, I was I actually thought to myself, I wouldn't have picked up like the, the PGA golf game on Xbox. I'm like, you know what? I could actually do with like a relaxing golf game and whatever. And um, I sort of feel the same right now with Mario Golf, to be honest. Just a bit more fun atmosphere and a bit more you know, arcadey mm. to get into. So this comes out on um, at the end of June. So looking, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this. And like, yeah, me too. They showed off the speed golf and I've never really played many golf games. Apparently it's, it's kind of like a, a mode in a lot of golf games, but it looks, it looks like a lot of fun where you hit the ball and you quickly run to the, to the ball to like keep hitting it. So you're not actually taking in order turns. <laughs> you just like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like party golf, um, that switch game. In some respects, so yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. it. Looks nice. I just, um, I'm a little bit standoffish, just you know, with Camelot's last game being Mario Tennis, and that game looked awesome before launch. Like, oh, it's got a story mode. It's got like all these characters, and it has like you know, post um, launch updates for free. Like, it was just, it had everything in it to just be like, this is going to be a fantastic Mario Tennis game, and it comes out, and sort of the the multiplayer is like. It sort of loses its appeal pretty quickly, and the story mode was pretty, pretty average as well. I kind of feel like golf is harder to fuck up than tennis, though. Hopefully, yeah. I, I think it. I think it personally is. I th- I think like mm. golf games are harder to fuck up than tennis games. Yeah. It's just a lot of people looking at this and being like, "Oh, well, it's got that story mode, so um, it takes you back to like the Game Boy Advance and like those story modes in those previous games." Um, I'm just a bit like. You know, it's like, oh, will it be that good? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It's a pickup from me anyway. Hopefully, it's going to be a fun game that lasts us a long time. And um, I sort of want to encourage people on the lead up to this game, get into the House of Mario Discord. I think it'll be a fantastic game to sort of do tournaments with. Yeah. Because um, you don't have to play together at the same time. You can no, just yeah. take turns and add to the scoreboard. Yeah. So, be something um, you, myself, and the guys in the Discord will get into, I hope. Yeah, hell yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about the uh, Animal Crossing plus Super Mario collaboration they're doing. So just Mario items are coming to Animal Crossing, and uh, you know it's all pretty standard stuff. You got your you got your superstar, your mushroom, flagpole, all of that type of stuff, and it looks pretty cool to have that in your village. But the mm. thing that just caught my eye straight away was the warp pipe. You can add two warp pipes in your uh, island, and uh, you can use it to warp from one to another. So 
it's just like a super useful item as, as well as just being aesthetically cool. You can like put it outside your house and you can use it to warp to like the town or something so you don't have to run down. It's just like a really awesome like quick travel sort of option for the game. So yeah, um, that's that's exciting at that point. And I think I will go back to Animal Crossing just to get all this stuff. I've been meaning to for a long time as it is. So I think this is just a good excuse to get into it and sort of like the festival sort of events and that, you know, didn't do too much for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to use uh, Animal Crossing as like a moment to like just point out my horror. I was going to talk about it when we were talking about Splatoon, but when I was getting my new Switch, I made I re- reminded myself I needed to transfer my Pokemon save because mm. it doesn't support cloud. If I lose that save file, I will hit my head against a wall as hard as I can because uh, I put a lot of hours into that game. I moved my Animal Crossing save because, you know, I put... I was, I was I was always thinking like, oh, I might as well start again. But I'm like, wait a minute. I've played like 80 hours of this game. No way. Because the, the start is, is grueling as oh, well yeah, in that is, game. Yeah. So I'm not doing that again. No. And I'm going through my games, making sure everything's backed up. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. You know, factory reset. Um, trade it into EB Games. And the other day, Meta was like, oh, well, with the announcement of Splatoon 3, um, I might play some Splatoon 2. Anyone want to play? I'm like, yeah, I'll play. I'll be happy to play. I'm thinking about. Wait a minute! I never transferred my save, and that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't support cloud saves, does it? I'm like, fuck! And it's just like that big, like sinking feeling. I'm like, fuck! My Splatoon <laughs> save's gone. And just how dumb is it that there's an online game that you can't even back up your <laughs> save for? Or keeps online progress? It's ridiculous. Everything keeps online progress now, like yeah. even COD and like all that. Yeah. So just quickly, that is a thing Splatoon 3 needs to fix. It just needs to be able to... Cloud, yeah. Cloud save, keep your progress. So I don't think I am playing Splatoon 2. I'm not playing that shit again. I'm not doing all that again. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is the Smash news, Bryce. So Pyra and Mifra are in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And the way they introduced it at the very start of the Direct, how it was like very much in-engine cutscenes for thought, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, yeah, and it looks like DLC or something. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be Xeno Three, yeah, and it's just like because they set it up like that, like oh no, the character's gone, and you know it's a pretty, it's kind of like a standard sort of trope in JRPGs, where like oh, the character's gone, got to go and find them, yeah, and uh, just like the bit where you, you come across Pyra and she's standing there, and you can obviously see that it's final destination. I'm like, oh my God, this was the production value for this um, sort of introduction was just amazing. Mm. Like, you know, a lot of smash smash ones obviously are, but this one just sort of went beyond of what they had to do. It wasn't animated like in just like an animation studio or whatever. It was like the actual cutscenes for the game, yeah, which is really cool. So you're a big Xenoblade Chronicles 2 fan. So how do you feel about these guys yes. jumping into the game? <laughs> yes. It happened. It happened. Another Xenoblade rap. <laughs> I okay. Um, when um it first came out, it's like, oh, we wanted to add him into the game. It was too late in development, so here's a me costume to help keep you in the in the goodie books. You know. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like right. All right. I'm like it's Rex. I'm like it's still a shot. And Xenoblade Chronicles Two. You know what? The sales for that game. In, uh, just worldwide this week went boop. oh yeah. yeah everyone's like oh well, I better play this game and like I um, I bought the game and I, I played like a tiny bit but whatever I don't know what I was occupied by at the time December 2017 I got no idea couldn't have been occupied by you need pa- to break pa- a leg pa- or something and just play all these games while you recover 
That's a great idea, Bryce. That's a great idea. <laughs> but the thing is, like, get the hammer. I've got a little bit of spare time now, but I'm putting all that into podcasting. That's my problem. I need to just like not talk and just play them. Yeah, you need to you need to ease yourself from doing so many podcast projects and just sit down and play some games for a bit because you're missing out on so much. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it it was a huge thing because I I was just like, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. I'm like, and if they're going to do anything with it, it'd have to be Xenoblade 2. So the only characters I can think of, of them putting uh, putting in is Pyra and Mithra. Reason being is because those characters use their weapons in the base game. And, you know, it uh, happens in the opening cutscene, stuff like that. It's such a big thing. The swords in Xenoblade are obviously such a big, iconic thing. And it just so happens that... Pyra is the sword and Mithra is the sword. So I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm sick of sword characters. It's like, well, we put in an actual sword. Yeah, we put in a sword. <laughs> it's not just a sword character anymore. We put in a sword. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was a big deal. And I, I, I was sort of like, you know, when I saw that, when I saw that coming and then she, she turned around and she's like, I got an invitation to smash. I'm like, it happened. It happened how I thought it would happen. Oh my God, it happened. That is so fucking good. I love it. Um, Xenoblade 2 is one of my favorite games on Switch. And um, I did not really discover Xenoblade Chronicles at all until I was super hyped for X. So I emulated the first one because at the time I didn't have anything that supported the game and the game was impossible to come by. Um, So I played through Xenoblade Chronicles 1, enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, I started playing X before I played one. Couldn't really get into it. But then when two came out, I was like, all right, play through one. Then at least I'm ready for two. If two is a continuation of some kind. Wasn't. But my God, I've I've spent well over 200 hours on that game. And that game is an 80 hour game. So I've been asking for a Xenoblade rep from that game for a long time. I know it's not every Xenoblade fan's cup of tea because it leans way more into its anime tropes. And um, I guess that disturbs some people. I'm not entirely sure why, because there was plenty of them in the first game, but because it doesn't... Well, the original didn't really look anime because it couldn't. It was on the Wii. Yeah. So a lot of people are just like, oh, it looks so anime. So it falls into all these anime tropes. I'm like, you you didn't play the first one then, did you? Because there's plenty of them in the first one. Um... But just seeing the fact that there is two characters and the fact they had that interaction between Shulk and Pyra in the trailer was interesting because that is an interaction you will never see in the games unless you play Xenoblade Chronicles 2's DLC. Um, so the fact that they put that in there is a good thing because it is kind of like everybody believes that's where that's culminating to next is these two worlds, um, which is one and two, are merging and that is where three is coming in. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um I won't obviously won't uh spoil it, but mm. yeah, um because in the in the DLC for 2, you meet Shulk and Fiora. Um but the DLC sort of takes a stance that it's it's sort of earlier in the game that it happens. So there's two world, worlds are converging at the same time, but as you get further on, like it just looks like these two two worlds are coming together and creating something bigger, which will eventually become Xenoblade Three. So it's interesting to see that interaction in the trailer because um, that uh, seems like something that um, 
you know, obviously, obviously they're from the game, same game series, and you would expect like snapshots of them together and stuff like that to sort of like play that up. But having an actual voice line interaction and a CG clip of that there is kind of like that's pretty neat. Yeah, like yeah. yeah again, it's like a natural uh, cutscene from the game, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, and like it, you know, it sort of confirms that they they're treating the DLC as a canon thing. Um, as time goes on. So that, that was really interesting. Um, as for the actual character itself between Pyra and Mithra, it's interesting to see another shapeshifter again, considering, you know, they've tried so long to try and move away from them and then brought them back. And then, you know, here, here, there, um, though, I don't think this character couldn't be done any differently. Like it, it kind of had to be a shapeshifter no matter what. Um, the move set looks really fun and interesting to play. Um, the fact that you can switch between a really speedy high, like a really high speed attacker and then a really, well, uh, not a really, but a sort of a sluggish high, you know, high smash capability attacker is really good. Um, and you'll probably see a lot of configuration with people, uh, and Zelda and Sheik, how a lot of people will tend to try to play one, but not so much the other. Yeah, because that's what they they get used to. But as for me, like I'll I'll find a way to utilize both. Because to me, it'd be like playing um, Shulk with Smash and Buster, um, constantly juggling the two to get the best result. Mm. Um, and the move set looks fun. Really can't complain. I noticed that uh, on on the form shift between Pyra and Mithra, there seems to be some invincibility frames. So it'd be interesting to see how that sort of comes into play whether they can use that as some kind of counterattack and how big the invincibility frames are and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I know that, you know, a lot of those questions should be answered soon. We got a direct for them on the 3rd of March. We do. Uh, on the 4th of March. 4th of March. So just um, I put out there so just some times for that if you're in Australia. So mm-hmm. um, for us in South Australia, it's going to be at 12.30 a.m., um, so it's going to be a nice late one if we want to catch that one live. Yeah. Um, but if you're in Perth, it'll be 10 p.m. If you are in Melbourne, it'll be 1 o'clock. If you're anywhere else, you can find out yourself, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to sort of get a big deep dive into this because they're always fun to watch when Sakurai does these presentations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, be interesting to see what song selections he puts in. Hmm. Hopefully, a few. Well, I'm I'm hoping like, um, <laughs> I'm hoping the general battle theme just so I can remember the Padraig memes. But yeah, you know, <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. It's just uh, only a matter of time. I I just want to play them already. Yeah. I'm really, really holding out. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to add to it. Just so I'm sick of the people. Um, that I say this every single character, but I'm sick of the people that just come for the spectacle. And when they get like an Xenoblade character or a Fire Emblem character or just a Nintendo IP, they're like, oh, this sucks. Why is it not Stingle McDingleberry from my favorite series from 1982? That's a big spectacle character. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Stingle McDingleberry. Why the fuck isn't it Stingle McDingleberry? It's like, guys, they are a Nintendo company. They're going to use Nintendo IPs like first and foremost, if they so choose. Yeah, and like you know, stuff stuff like Byleth. I think that was important to get representation from the Fire Emblem 
game on Switch and same with Xenoblade. Like that is the, I guess, like the main Xenoblade game on the Switch at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think it was important to get a character from that for that fan base, which is a, a franchise they continue to release and keep going. So, you know, it's not like a lot of people, are, oh, you know, Crash Bandicoot. Now I'm like, oh my God, just like, just drop it. Yeah, like I'm glad you want Crash Bandicoot, but do you really care? Do you really care? Yeah. Do you honestly care? Do you honestly care about Crash Bandicoot being in there? And if they're like, yes, man, we do. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> hope it happens. <laughs> it's interesting too because uh, Crash Bandicoot is actually coming to the Switch on March 12th as well. So we're getting Crash 4 on the Switch. Which is good. Which uh, it actually looks pretty good because they put screenshots. They actually kind of changed the art style to make it actually work on Switch rather than just port it and make it like, you know, that typical blurry sort of aesthetic. They've actually like changed it. So it still looks nice and vibrant. It just sort of looks different. That's good. A little bit, like a little bit less detail, but well, still. At least, still at really least that gives a bit more of an explanation of why it's taken so long to hit the Switch. Because yeah. it is the perfect thing for Switch. I mean, I've already bought it on Xbox, so I'm probably not going to bother. But, you know. I reckon if I pick it up, I'll pick it up on Switch. I've got the collection on Switch, but I bought... Crash 4 and PS4 have already made some decent progress in it. So I'm like, eh. eh. So next up, Bryce, we've got Horror Warriors uh, Expansion Pass for Age of Calamity. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't finished it yet. Sue me. Yeah, this, is, this is a game where I'm just like, been pretty lack on. Yeah, I want to finish it. I just, yeah, I can't bring myself to do it immediately. I can't bring myself to do it. It's too scary. Oh, just just when I know that there's Breath of the Wild two stuff coming around the corner, I think that's the problem. Where I'm like, I know I know that it's not anywhere near time for Breath of the Wild two, but that's what I'm excited for. Mm. So I'm kind of thinking about that, and I'm not really thinking about this prequel. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, mm, not in the mindset for it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Not this this DLC. You get lots more levels, some more weapons, mm. a couple more playable characters, but it's all pretty up in the air of what that actually is. So. Yeah. We'll get some more details later on. We just know we're getting them. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew it was going to happen. A lot of people oh, yeah. are just like, oh, yeah. a lot of people are just like, oh, it's probably not going to happen because, you know, uh, they want to keep it as canon as possible. I'm like, you're fucking kidding. Of course it's going to happen. And you know what? A lot of people are probably like, well, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't think they'll add in anything that'll break that canon aspect too much. I'm like, I think they probably will in the DLC, and they're just like, no, no. I'm like, yeah, they will. they'll fucking put Lana in somewhere. They'll probably, you know, because that's the character that they made specifically for Hyrule Warriors. So I don't think they're going to not try and retcon her in there somewhere. They probably will in the DLC. Um, and then, you know, I can't remember the full roster, but there's definitely going to be, you know, plenty of characters. Um, whether they be fan favorite from previous elders and stuff like that, we'll probably get retconned in there somewhere along the lines of other characters that probably need to be inserted as well. Whether it be you play as a fucking guardian and just. <laughs> That's a disgusting sound. <laughs> That's what they sound like if they're made of flesh. <laughs> they were, they were almost once made out of flesh. And they looked fucking terrifying. Oh, they would. So, yeah, like from the art book, it, they, they looked mad. Yeah. Mm. All right, moving on to something that's not so mad. So, <laughs> <laughs> something that I hate it. Everyone probably hates it as well. Um, so, 
they're basically re-releasing Miitopia on the Switch. So Miitopia was a, a 3DS game. It was sort of like a, a late release 3DS game when the Switch was already out. Mm. And basically, the game, it's like an RPG on rails where you can choose your Miis to fill certain roles. So I can make Bryce, myself, you know, whatever, make a party of my friends and go through the game and have different interactions with one another. Mm. And those interactions sort of play about how well they work together and their stats and stuff. So it's an interesting concept. Um, but they're re-releasing it for $70 on the Australian eShop um, and obviously physical as well. I'm like, it's not worth 70 bucks. Like, you know. No. This, this would have been a game where it's like, I would have been interested at 40 Australian, but, you know, they kind of lost me straight away with this one. Like, Yeah, yeah. not interested at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, Project Triangle Strategy. They released a demo that day. It looked really interesting. It's sort of a sort of a spiritual successor to Octopath Traveler. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm keen to get into this. I haven't played the demo yet, but um, eventually, yeah. This sort of like I've said it a million times, but this sort of gameplay with sort of like the strategy aspect of like being on the grid and stuff. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I just love like the aesthetic for a lot of these games. Yeah. And I wish I was into them. So I'll give this game a go. See if it can hook me. Um, but I don't have any uh, necessarily. Fire Emblem's the only one I can get into. Yeah. Fire Emblem is literally the only one I can get into. I don't know what it is. There's heaps of grid-based games out there. Absolute shit tons of them, but it's the only one I can really get into. It's the one made by Nintendo, you Nintendo No, I, I think it's everything else around it that's the thing, you know, like the whole fact that there's a whole system behind it, a relationship system and stuff like that where you can, you know, pair off your characters and then they get married and have children and eventually you can add those children to your party and then they carry their best stats and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of, like, little intricacies in the background that uh, make me go, this is nice and I enjoy it. Mm. Mm. I enjoy that stuff too. So... (laughs) I don't think you'll care about this one, but Stubbs the Zombie coming to Switch as well as other platforms on March 16th. Hardly remember it. Re-release of an original Xbox game. So that's cool if you're into that. Yep. Uh, Knockout City is the EA original game, basically multiplayer uh, dodgeball. Um, that looks actually kind of fun. Um, I might give it a go depending on price or if it's free to play or whatever. But it looks it looks relatively fun. I'll give it a go. Very little faith in EA these days, so it'll probably be a pass from me. Yeah. The un- I, I actually am playing an EA game at the moment, and that's Apex. Um, but that's only because I got dragged back into it again. But even just looking at the Anthem news this week <laughs> makes me go, yeah, I have fuck all faith. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been on the cards for a while. So. Oh, it's been on the cards since two weeks after it launched. Yeah, well, but, you yeah, know, exactly. they literally damaged Mass Effect's reputation to get that game out. Yeah. Like, killed Mass, Mass Effect's reputation. So, it, it, yeah, I don't have faith. Uh, Famicom Detective Club uh, is coming out. It's a that was of, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's the first time it's uh, launching outside of Japan. It's mm. coming on the 14th of May as a double pack for the two games. Um, I might, I might um, look into this one and see how much it is and maybe play through it. Because, yeah. like, I do enjoy these sort of games. I just don't play a whole lot of them. No. Yeah. So, we'll see, we'll see how this goes in reviews and stuff and... If I get into it. Doki Doki was the last one I played. And I think that scarred me off him for a while, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So that was a nice price. That was free. Yeah. Popping uh, eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So this is a big one too, Bryce. This is a third party game. So Four Guys is coming to the Switch in a, in winter for us. And uh, it's also coming to Xbox as well at the same time. But uh, it's nice that it's coming off of uh, PlayStation and PC and coming to Nintendo Switch. And I think it'll be a great place to play it too. 
it's just like, you know, the Switch is my multiplayer machine. So having a game like this would be really good on it. I'll probably definitely pick it up, even mm. though I was given it for free on PlayStation. I'm a, I'm a shill. I'll buy it on Switch still. <laughs> um, this one made me laugh. So Plants vs. Zombie, no, Plants vs. Zombies uh, Battle for the Neighborhood is coming to Switch from EA. And uh, <laughs> when the trailer came up, all I, all I said to myself was, in 2021... <laughs> They finally decided to release Plants vs. Zombies on Switch. How much longer could you have possibly waited <laughs> to do this? This is like a 2018 move for mm. them to do. Port Plants vs. Zombies to the Switch. It's a, <laughs> oh, a I, useless I, move. I, I, was, I was just like flabbergasted. I'm like, all right, so you finally decided to do it. Good on you. Cool. Yeah, just- here, it, here it is. In 2021, we got Plants vs. Zombies, the third-person multiplayer shooter from EA, which is aimed towards kids. It's electronic arts, Drew. I'm not even going to start calling them EA. I'm not even going to call them EA anymore. I'm going to abrashly call them by their full name, Electronic Arts. Electronic Arts, go to your room. It's like brush- Think about what you've done yeah, for like- the last decade. <laughs> yeah, brush to wit. You've been a very naughty boy. Now go to your room and do you think about what you did to your brother. You don't have a brother. <laughs> but what did you do to him? <laughs> no, no, I have no idea. Maybe you did have a brother and you killed him and that's what your mum was t- telling you off about. Yeah, okay, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, electronic arts, go to your room, think, what, think about what you've done for the last decade. Maybe, you know, give some of that shilling money back to charity or something because it's quite clear that You've, you're not listening to anyone and you haven't for a long time. All right. So are you picking up Plants vs. Zombies? Fuck no. <laughs> okay. I, I refuse to support EA. All right. So moving, moving on, we've got Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, it's been basically re-released on all platforms since T- Telltale got the rights back to the game. They re-released it on PlayStation and Xbox stores as well. And at the same time, coming to Switch, um, really great sort of Telltale game. It's worth getting if you can get it for the right price. Um, a lot of fun. Um, Outer Wilds coming to Switch. Sort of a, a game where you come across a, a new planet and you've got 22 minutes to sort of uh, discover it before the the planet blows up and you got to start again and sort of uncover the the mystery that surrounds it. I love the meme that was like Fall Guys. Fall Guys was announced just before that. Mm. And then it's just like Fall Guys is coming to Switch and there's like this meme of this guy like, oh, yeah, Fall Guys on Switch. It's like, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it cuts into the next thing. It's like you have 22 minutes before the galaxy implodes and he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's like, lighthearted, like, yay, fun with my friends. Then <laughs> it's like sitting in the dark room, just, oh, my God, oh, my God, just anxiety inducing. <laughs> you have 22 minutes until the galaxy implodes. <laughs> That's, that is a good meme. Um, Star Wars Hunters. I was interested in this. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Then I just see the, the Zanga um, logo come up. I'm like, I don't care. Pass. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I doubt it. No, probably not. So no more Heroes 3. Got a release date for August. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. That'll be a big one in August to play. Yeah. Uh, Neon White. Looks sort of, looks like a, a sort of first-person shooter slash Mirror's Edge sort of hybrid cross anime. It looks really interesting. It's um, made by the developers of uh, Donut County, which is pretty cool. That's a real fun game on mobile, Switch, and everything. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, so looks like fun. Might look into that one when the time comes. Yeah. 
Um, uh, World Zen Club. <laughs> this this is a a game made by the. Um, oh, I had it in my head just before, but when when I saw when I saw the art, I just like it looks like Pokemon. It looks like a Game Freak game, just with like. Wait, was that the World's art. En- what ends with you? The thing that looks like World Ends with you. Yeah, sort of. It, it it's it's just World's End World's End Club. Oh, I forgot the name of the 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 other games they made. Um, oh, I had it, I had it in my head. It's gone. It's gone. I just remember the uh, the cinematic. I was like, "Is this World Ends with you?" Yeah. Well, it's just like a similar name, I guess. No, oh, no. Like in the trailer, they had like an art style with the characters, and mm. it looked very fucking similar. World en- World Ends with you. Yeah, yeah, it does. And then it just happened to be World Ends cl- World's End Club or whatever. And mm. I'm like, mm. the concept is interesting. Anyway. Yeah, it yeah. seems seems like a cool idea. Mm. So that comes out on May 27th. The Ninja Gaiden Master Collection comes out as well. Oh, um, yeah, if you want to feel 10th. like your ass is being kicked constantly, sure. Yeah, so this is coming out on all platforms and it also brings uh, Ninja Gaiden uh, 3 off of the Wii U, mm. which is uh, good for players but didn't have a Wii U, which was everyone apparently. Uh, DC Superhero Girls, Teen Power. This was like a bit in the direct. I'm like, all right. Hi, a- I'm Supergirl. Yeah, I'm like, all right. You kind of lost me for two minutes there, but yeah. good on you. Apparently, N- Nintendo is uh, publishing that one. That's so, weird. So, like, good on them. Uh, Samurai Warriors 5. Are you going to get this one? I'll pass for a while, but it does look really nice, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, it look, looks pretty good. Mm. Probably a lot better than what they did with Dynasty Warriors 9, but I'll let that slide for now. Hmm. Um, Legends of Mana. It comes out on June 24th, and this is the first time it's coming to a Nintendo platform. It was originally on the uh, original PlayStation, mm-hmm. and it's been sort of yeah remastered, recreated for current platforms. And this one caught my eye. It looks pretty cool. Like, it's a traditional RPG, but you're sort of like building the world as you're going Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Super dope. So, I'm, I'm going to add that one to my wish list. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Capcom Arcade Stadium, we knew about it before, but it came out on the day of the Direct. And um, I was actually lucky enough to get a code provided me for, from Capcom for that game. So Thanks, I'll, Capcom. I'll be um, giving my thoughts on that once I get into it a bit more. Mm. But it's, it's just like a really nicely put together um, compilation of old arcade Capcom games. Yeah. 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 So that pretty much brings us to the end of that direct, Bryce. So there was a fair bit in there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it got us talking for, I think it was about an hour just there. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. Looking forward to the next one in general. Hopefully it's not another 17 months. Holy. Nah, next one will be Zelda. Hmm. Next one has to be a Zelda Direct. Yeah. All right, so let's get through the rest of this stuff uh, relatively quickly before we talk about um, Zelda for Reggie's Rec Room. So this is just a quick one, Bryce. So um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 is coming to Nintendo oh, Switch. This is such a fucking good game. On, Please buy it. On March 26th, so... Yes, you're it, a big fan of these games. Well, you reviewed it. Not on- even just these games, but this game in particular is the best way to do a fucking remake, right? Like, similar to how the Crash Bandicoot ones were done, and everybody's like, oh, Insane Trilogy's so good. Like, no, this this is fucking perfect. Like, you know, the, the problem Tony Hawk's had for years and years, and I mean fucking years, is that... One, they had a HD remaster and it was fucking terrible, like, over the last few years. Two, Activision has squeezed out so many fucking bad Tony Hawk titles in the last decade that it's been terrible to try and get into any of them at all or recommend any of them. Uh, The last decent one was American Wasteland, but where I think it really died off is probably Thug 2. Um, 
but it has been so long since we've had a game that recreates exactly what is so fucking good about arcade skating games since Thug 2, which I think was like 2002. It was like ages ago. So, so long ago. But, oh, was it 2002? No. It was near that anyway. Like maybe 2004. Some shit like that. It was it was nearly, nearly two decades ago. But this game is fucking phenomenal. I played it and reviewed it. You can go read the review on dashgamer.com. It is the best way to bring back an arcade skating game since fucking forever. Tony Hawk endorses this game. And he has not endorsed his own series for the last 10 years. <laughs> so yeah. that tells you how fucking good this game is. Please buy it on Switch. If you do not have any other platform to buy it on and you are interested in arcade skating games or you've been missing arcade skating games, please play this. It is really fucking good. Yeah, because uh, there was a bit of a teaser. Like Tony Hawk was sort of like playing into like, oh, wouldn't it be good to see it on other platforms? And Nintendo of America is like, yeah, Activision, make it happen. Then like the following hours or days that like you know, it was a thing so yeah they, they teased it a bit and it was pretty funny to see on um social media but you know i'm i'm interested in picking this up because like it, like it looks like really awesome on um the other two platforms but i can see myself just mucking around on this on handheld mode oh, on the it'll couch work. it'll work just fine yeah so mm. um I think um, fucking amazing. It'd be it'd be great if we can sort of like find out how the port is, how it runs, how it looks, and uh, hopefully all that holds up, and it'll be a sort of a great handheld version of the game. Oh shit, yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on, this is just a, a real quick one, but um, this is something I didn't know until I was looking. So from Vooks, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield pens, Pikmin tote bags added to the Aussie My Nintendo store. So um, the My Nintendo store, it's always something I always forget about, but it's something that exists and it's actually becoming better and better as it sort of goes on. Mm -hmm. So uh, from Vooks, so the list of goods to redeem uh, platinum coins on, on the Australian My Nintendo store continues to expand. Today, two new items have to be added. First up, the uh, four Pokemon Sword and Shield pens featuring Sleepy Grookey, uh, Score Bunny, Sobble, and Pikachu. They'll set you back 500 coins. There's also a Pikmin tote bag for 400 coins that can be reused and folded. And uh, yeah, I always, I always forget about this. So I think it's just a, a thing to put on the podcast. So people go, oh yeah, I might spend my coins because they do expire, which is dumb. Especially when there's nothing good on there for months. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up being like, all right, I'll redeem it for this wallpaper, I guess. I guess that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, from uh, Nintendo Enthusiasts. So Sakurai shares his thoughts on the changing PS5 confirm button. So in Japan, they always used to have the circle button on the PlayStation controller as the con confirm button. But with the PlayStation 5, they universally changed it to suit the Western style, which was confirmed with X and cancel with circle. And when I heard about that, like that they use the circle to confirm, I'm like, that makes way more sense. Yeah, it does. Like yeah. it, it's, it's the same configuration as Nintendo having confirm on the right and also just the symbols make that much more sense. Yeah, they do. Like yeah. X is cancel, circle is okay. You know, it just makes more sense. But just into like dot points, uh, Sakurai basically said uh, this. So you can't just suddenly change something that people have been accustomed to for a while. If you think about the people it might trouble, um, then the proper thing to do as a developer is to, is to support both, which is what they're doing over at PlayStation for years um, yeah. since the original PlayStation. Um, he also says the consumers feel like they have no choice but to adopt to the current situation. Uh, as a video game maker, I believe it's uh, I believe that it's something we must care about with the uttermost courtesy. 
And uh, when you're not able to do the obvious thing, it becomes stressful. So that, that, that's basically the dot points from the Famitsu article, um, how he feels about the change. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's funny when, you put, when he puts it that way because Sakurai, he puts so much thought into every single little move he makes. And I think him just looking at another company being like, yeah, we're going to change something on you after 20 plus years of you doing it. It must be just such a headache for PlayStation-only gamers who have been playing like that for years over four PlayStation consoles to just swap. Um, so, yeah, because like, you know, here we, we were changing between Xbox and Nintendo. They're very different controllers that just mm-hmm. flip the s- script. So we're, we're used to just like using different controllers and all that. But over there with um, Nintendo and PlayStation being the same sort of layout, they're used to doing it that way. So it will just throw them off. But um, what are, you, what are you laughing at? What do you think about this? Just imagining like this big white man walk, like walking into the room, like waving like an American flag. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that's right. It's like, it, it's X for yex and, and O for no. <laughs> o for no. Yex for, X for yex and no for O. O for no. And everybody, and everybody in Japan is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. So this has been a thing for a while, but they obviously just asked him um, what he, what his thoughts were with the the whole change. So interesting little tidbit tidbit there. And uh, yeah, mm. yeah, doesn't affect us over here because we're always doing that uh, reverse way. But yeah. All right. So also from Nintendo Enthusiast, uh, they actually released a um a Stardew Valley board game, which uh, released on the day. So just reading from the article on Nintendo Enthusiast, uh, Stardew Valley, uh, Eric's uh, Baron, also known as Concerned Ape, has announced that Stardew Valley, the board game, is now available now after more than two years of developing it. He created it in partnership with board game designer Cole uh, Mandios, uh, whom he met and begun discussing the idea of a board game back in 2018. Stardew Valley, the board game, is notably a, a cooperative board game for one to four... One to four? You can play it by yourself. There you go. Uh, one to four players ages 13 and up, and the game lasting about 45 minutes per player. Oh, jeez. Um, game length can be tweaked if desired, but the website outright warns that you do not buy it if you're looking for a quick game to play. The game costs 55 US and currently only ships within the United States, but they are seeking to expand the game where available. So it actually looks really cool. So I don't know if you've seen this, Bryce, but just like the artwork of the cards and all that looks like a lot of fun. And I'm not really a board game player necessarily. Um um, because I've got no goddamn friends. <laughs> but since this is one player, maybe I can sit there and just play a board game by myself. But <laughs> I think if I was a bit more into Stardew Valley, just this as like an art piece would be great to get just for the cards and stuff. Yeah. But if you're a big fan of this and you do live in the United States, this is a something you can go and get and something us in Australia will have to wait a little bit longer to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, moving on. So this is from My Nintendo News and uh, Zavi is launching... Uh, exclusive full licensed Pokemon collection celebrating the 25th anniversary. So I've never heard of this retailer, but it caught my eye just because of like the cool clothes. So just showing Bryce here. Got some shoes, some jumpers, uh, sort of a, a bathroom bag there. Oh, I really like, I really actually like those shoes. I think I would love to get them if I can get them available here in Australia. Yeah. But UK online retailer Zavi is launching an exclusive limited edition and fully licensed Pokemon collection celebrating the franchise's 25th anniversary. The range will include an official uh, collector's box in addition with a mini clothing line uh, contrasting of three garments dedicated to the beloved character Pikachu. 
the apparel infuses a mixture of subtle black uh, and white tones with uh, bright pops of yellow featuring the iconic electrifying Pokemon character. So if you're in the UK, you can definitely get these and uh, we'll see if we get these um, elsewhere in the world because like there's the, the Levi sort of collaboration they're doing and I think they look like, much like the Mario stuff they were doing. They look awful. I don't want a, a denim jacket just with a massive Pikachu on the back. No. Like, like, no, thanks. I'm not wearing that outside. Like I love Pokemon. I love Pikachu. I wear stuff a bit more subtle, but I don't want to be there like with a massive Pikachu or a massive Mario face, you know. I got. I got to at least try to act like an adult every now and again. Yeah, exactly. I'm out there buying yeah. Pokemon cards, spending all my money on Nintendo stuff. You got to at least try. <laughs> um, I'm an adult. <laughs> and uh, also, I haven't listened to this yet, but sort of um, moving on. So Reggie reveals his favorite moment as Nintendo America president, and uh, he recently was on the uh, the podcast uh, Gamma Ray. Gamer Tag Radio, which is an Xbox podcast, which has been running for 20 years or so. It's been going for ages. And um, Reggie was recently on that podcast and I haven't got around to listening to it yet, but I'm keen to. But um, on there, he said, there are so many things from my very first E3 and the famous words, my name is Reggie, I'm about kicking ass and taking names and we're all about making games. That was a phenomenal moment. And the same E3 where we played a Zelda trailer for what become Twilight Princess and having the media cry. I mean, literally, uh, the jaded media. The folks had tears streaming down. The event where we launched the Wii and myself, Mr. Iwata and Mr. Miyamoto had a uh, contrast um, who had won the opportunity to play live with us on stage. That was a magical moment. Uh, each one was difficult, uh, different. Um, each one was special. Each one helped drive the business, the brand, the products forward, and that's what made those 15 years with the company so special. So if you're interested in a, a um, an interview with Reggie, go and check out Gamertag Radio on YouTube or podcast services. Maybe one day he'll be here. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, Reggie would be my dream guest. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of Nintendo creators I'd love to talk to, but just the barrier, language barrier between us. Mm. And, uh, you know, just obviously them working at Nintendo, they're not going to come on a podcast. <laughs> no, no. They're going to be like, yeah, no, nah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna skip that one, eh, boys? And <laughs> but Reggie, I would absolutely love to have him on. So if anyone's anyone with like a big following to actually get people to listen to them, give a, give a tweet to Reggie. Say, come on the house of Mario. Because we're way too goddamn small for him to even see us. <laughs> we're way too small. But regardless, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we've got, got a few more stories. Uh, I'll skip that one. Um, this was an interesting one I found on Nintendo Life, and uh, the article is, Studies suggest that Nintendo Switch is the most eco-friendly console on the market. And um, just comparing it to some of the other consoles on the market, so the Switch is actually the ninth... Um, not the ninth best, but the, the third best performing console for the last 10 years or so. So the best performing console, like for power-wise, is actually Nintendo Wii, then the Wii U, then Switch. So the Nintendo's at the very top. Um, obviously, they got the advantage of being the least powerful, so they need the least, least amount of electricity to actually power them. Yep. Um, but, uh, like, for example, comparing it here, so according to a new survey from NerdWallet, Switch has been declared the most eco-friendly system of the current generation of consoles. According to the study's data, which collected between uh, December 2nd, 2020 and 
um, the 4th of January 2021 using a variety of tools and websites. Nintendo Switch will cost the average user £101 in electricity bills throughout its lifetime compared to £165 for the PS5 and £200 for the Xbox Series X slash Series S. So, you know, those, those consoles are a lot more powerful, a lot more going on. So, oh, yeah. that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but sort of thinking about this, this was always like a sort of an oversight for the Wii and the Wii U. Everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a piece of crap because Nintendo doesn't know how to engineer properly because, you know, they, their consoles lacked power. But they always, um, their consoles have always been real quiet and they've always been needed like a low amount of electricity to actually power them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think on, on that front, that that was always things Nintendo engineers always looked at really closely. Um, whereas, you know, I feel like the other guys don't care as much. Like, no, yeah, just they don't. Chuck yeah. some electricity in it. Like, make the PS5 as big as it needs to be. Put some massive fans. You have a literal fucking jet engine over there, you know? That's nah, pretty quiet. Except the disk drive is very loud on the PlayStation 5. <laughs> I mean, it's shaped enough like a jet engine. It probably will fire off like a jet engine one day. I hope not. I paid a lot for it. I don't want it to fly off. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to the end of the news, Bryce. That was a nice little fun time of news. It was. So let's get into some How's My Red Coin recommendations before we jump into Reggie's Rec Room. All right. Oh, oh yeah. Eshop updates. All right, so there's a, a massive sale um, on the eShop at the moment. I just want to bring your attention to it. goes for about another week or so. But um, some highlights on there is Among Us, which is at $4.51 currently. It's 30% off. Uh, Diablo Eternal Edition is uh, 50% off. There's like just like a lot of games that are really cheap. Um, I've bought a fair few. I bought uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. I picked that up. That was 30% off. Oh, shit. Um, I need to do that. Mm. I see Burnout Paradise is 50% off as well. And uh, they've actually lowered the full price down to 40 bucks from $70. So they've actually lowered it to like an acceptable place. Thank so God. You can, so you can pick it up now for 20 bucks. So I reckon I'll be picking up Burnout Paradise on Switch. And there's just like a bunch of stuff. There's Super Meat Boy, there's Unravel 2, uh, Our Boy, Gris, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, Doom. It's 50% off, the original Doom. So there's just like heaps of stuff so i recommend going to vooks.net and they've just like lined it up nice and easy for you to go and check it out i'll put a link in the show notes to this article and uh yeah no uh there's no real sort of um brand new releases that are notable to talk about yeah just talk about the sale that's all that really needs to be done yeah so over there's over um 1500 games on sale so it's just just nuts i'll need to check it out yeah you know, and then prepare myself for next week and maybe do some buying mm. Mm. especially with scott pilgrim's 30 percent off yeah, it's about like 22 bucks. <laughs> works out the bit. Oh, I'm going to pick up the Bioshock collection as well. That's 50% off. So I reckon I'll dive into that. Yeah, not bad. Get that on Switch. Yeah, not bad. Hi, Bryce. Let's, uh, let's uh, get into Reggie's Rec Room. All right. We haven't been there for a while, have we? No, we haven't. Hi, Nintendo fans. Oh, God. I thought it was a skeleton for a second. <laughs> Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. All right, Bryce. So, as we know, Reggie is a huge fan of The Legend of Zelda. He is. And um, even though he's not a part of Nintendo, he actually, he actually came out and said, oh, let's celebrate uh, Zelda's <laughs> 35th anniversary, which Nintendo did not do. Yeah. 
did not do. They no. saved they saved it for their marketing a little bit later. Apparently, hopefully, they got some nice products for us to buy, get some money out of our wallets. Mm-hmm. But um, let's let's uh, do a quick celebration of uh, Legend of Zelda on this very show. Sure. Talk about how we got into it and some uh, good memories of it. And uh, just before we get into it, at the moment, we're celebrating uh, 25 years of the Pokemon franchise on the House of Mario Encore, which is basically our second Nintendo podcast where we talk about evergreen stuff. And um, I'm doing a season two all about all about Pokemon, going through all the regions and all that. And we're going to do, be doing a similar thing for The Legend of Zelda later in the year. Yes. Yes, um, we are. So, yeah. But um, for now... How'd you get into The Legend of Zelda, Bryce? How'd you get into it, mate? I got into The Legend of Zelda by picking the gold cartridge off the shelf. And uh, you know what? I think that that starts off for a lot of people who started in the N64 era. Um, So I've still got my gold cartridge and I'll treasure it forever. I'll never get rid of it. Um, It is by far just one of the crowning things that ever happened. It was the first game my grandfather ever bought me because he didn't think too much of video games, but... This is the only one he ever bought me. Uh, I picked it because it was gold and shiny and I wanted it. So, <laughs> Like a go. magpie. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And I was like <laughs> attracted to it. Oh! And um, Ocarina of Time, I played it and it scared the ever-living ever lights out of me as a four-year-old when it was nighttime. There were skeletons everywhere. And I was like, ah. But you know what? The whole, the whole message for Zelda and, you know, everything it stands for is finding the courage to go and, you know, break through your fears and your limits so eventually you know i brought myself to finish the entire game and um it it just became one of my favorite games of all time instantly and it uh hasn't ever changed since do you have like a moment like you remember but you're like wow this game is awesome well i guess i guess probably just going into the deku tree like in the beginning because like everything else before it's kind of like its own mini puzzle and kind of just irritating because Mido's a dick, but he is. He is a fucking dick. Um but like going into going into the great great Deku tree and seeing this entire dungeon that was just built out of the inside of a tree and seeing that there was multiple layers, I'm like, what there's there's this big hole in the floor, how do I get through it? There's and the solution is to jump from a high place so that you bend the web straight through and just fall straight through to the bottom. And, like, being like, whoa, like, I never would have thought that as a solution to it. Um, and then uh, encountering Goma for the first time. Goma was mad because it was sort of like, obviously, the eye is the weak point. It's the glowing spot's the weak point. It's definitely what I've got to hit. I'm, like, trying to slash it with my sword. It's not doing anything. I'm like, oh, my God. And then she runs off and she starts laying eggs from the ceiling. I want to have all these baby Gomas, like, jumping around. I'm like, holy crap. And then uh, I I I definitely died a few times doing that. And then I found out um found out I was like the slingshot. I'm like oh duh, of course the slingshot. But you know at this time I was like five or six. So I wasn't thinking yeah. too much about it. Um and then discovering that beating Goma that was like one of my big satisfying things because before this it was mainly just hey look it's Mario Bros. You face off against Bowser, you throw him into a bomb, you move on next level, you don't do anything for a while. But something about Zelda bosses back then, especially in comparison to the Mario bosses, um, as much as I love Mario 64, just as much as I love Ocarina at the time, time, there was something so epic about Zelda bosses that just felt, you know, that little extra bit, Mm. you know, 
like like it was an absolute triumph to defeat them and that they had their own method of madness and beating them was such a big thing. Um, Ocarina of Time in 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 its entirety is like just is is a wow moment but it's definitely those little things along the way especially when you're that young um experiencing those things for the first time like those boss fights or those very unique dungeon designs that um you know it it really does make you think there's something special about video games and Zelda really taught me that because like even as an adult just the way Zelda puzzles are set out like they just make you feel smart yeah like and like as an adult, you're like, oh, yes, well, I did it. Well, pat on the back. But as a kid, you're like, I am a god. Yeah, <laughs> I am genius. And that that's what's so good about Zelda and always has historically been. Um, even even today, like figuring out something in Zelda is still like a eureka moment. Um, and I think that that's just what's so great about Zelda and Zelda dungeons and stuff like that, which is weird to say because... You know, a common a common thing I say these days is I think Breath of the Wild is probably my favorite Zelda game, uh, but there is no dungeons in it. So you would think, you know, whatever. Like, then if if you get such a high from figuring out these dungeons and stuff like that, then when why do you like the Zelda game that has no dungeons? And the the answer is that there's 120 of them in the world. You know, they're not they're not all obviously as intricate or as well laid out as, you know, as old the dungeon and makes you feel like that intensity or stuff like that. But the puzzles in every dungeon, in every shrine and, you know, the ways that you can do them, I suppose, like, you know, there's some that you don't even have to just look at them. You kind of just like bomb blast your way over to a certain obstacle, get that obstacle done, then bomb blast your way back sort of thing. And that was that's sort of what's magical about Breath of the Wild is while every Zelda before it has sort of done dungeons in such a way that there's a one solution to the problem per room, Breath of the Wild has there's 120 rooms, 120 different problems with about, you know, 20 ways to solve that one problem. So... Yeah, I, I still remember being in the the shrine where you got to like the roll the ball to the end destination, got to get it through like the little maze, then it unlocks the door and you can progress and finish. And I was in, I think I was in handheld mode in bed. So I had like not much flexibility to actually do it without waking up my partner. So I'm like, oh, I can't do it. So I ended up just like shaking it and just like flung the ball to the other side, boom, in. And I was just like flabbergasted. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> what? There's just there's just so many moments in that game where it's like, I guess that worked. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So it just gives you a different feeling. Like um, when you're doing a puzzle, you're like, oh well, oh I figured it out. Pat's on back for me. But in Breath, yeah. of, Breath of the Wild, it's very much like, I'm shocked that worked. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that that is the thing about it is that it expanded on that feeling for me. The Ocarina of Time did bring me that feeling of like yes like i'm fucking smart as hell or you know oh that's really that's really cool or you know everything breath of the wild sort of expands on that and gives you multiple options to experience that per mm. per shrine so it was sort of like you know it's it's been really hard to sort of come to terms because it's like my battle at the moment is do i choose ocarina of time the game that you know, gave me all these memories and sort of set me up to become the legend of zelda fan i am for the remainder of time 
Or do I give it to Breath of the Wild, the game that expanded upon it and actually made me feel like the dungeons could evolve into something that's completely different and doesn't seem like a, a traditional Zelda game, but still somehow completely blow me away. And that's what Breath of the Wild did. So it's a real tussle between my favorite game at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because it's like, yeah, just just pure memories and nostalgia or like, like giving you that feeling, but just like recently, which is a very hard thing to do. Mm, yeah. 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 What about you? Yeah. So I got into the series because of you, which mm. I, I, I deeply appreciate because <laughs> when I was a kid, you, you have your, like your certain things like, you know, I wasn't into Lord of the Rings, you know, all this like sort of medieval stuff. I'm like, you know what? It's not really, it's not really my thing. And um, I, I sort of, I remember like, oh, Bryce, what, what game should I get? I know, I know Zelda's getting like nines and tens in, you know, the magazines and hyper magazine and whatever I'm reading at the time. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like a hundred bucks is just, may as well be a thousand bucks <laughs> when you're a kid. So I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Should I get it? And it, it kind of came down to your recommendation and also not too much else at the time apart from like we play. And WarioWare. Wario, yeah, I think it was, it was before WarioWare. WarioWare is a, a week or a month or so off of coming out. Still. Yeah, but you were thinking about holding until WarioWare, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I'm just like, don't don't just hold for WarioWare. I'm like, WarioWare is fun. And like, but you're missing out on a Zelda experience. Yeah, so I, I took the plunge. I paid the 100 bucks as a kid, went to Target Country and got it. And uh, as, as soon as I put it in, I, just, I, I fell in love with, with the game straight away. And like looking back on um, Twilight Princess, um, like, you know, the, the opening, I was like, oh, my God, this opening does drag on a fair bit. But mm. I didn't notice when I was a kid. No. And I think it's a, it is a testament to that game, even though a lot of people are like, you know, Twilight Princess, not so good. But it's a testament to the game because that was – sort of the, the game, but I'm like, this is awesome. This is one of my favorite franchises. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a, a big pillar, which actually moved me more to being a Nintendo fan rather than um, a fan of like Pokemon and Mario. It, like moved me. That was like the next big series to get into before, you know, discovering a lot of more franchises on the Wii, whether it was WarioWare or Mario Strikers and, you know, just continue on from there. But yeah, um, I was just... Th- blown away just by just the the dungeons and like how long it sort of takes to get through each one i remember like um i took the Wii to your place one night and i was going through the gerudo desert dungeon and you're up all night (laughs) yeah i was literally up all night and like you know playing through it now probably finishing half the time probably but i remember being lost and it's like scared yeah (laughs) you you, you were asleep and i'm like up at like i was up to like five o'clock in the morning and I remember like drinking cokes and that, trying to keep awake. And like as as the lights, come, the sun's coming up, I'm like versing the boss. I'm like, I've got to beat this thing because I'm ready just to hit the hay. I'm absolutely dead. And this is how satisfying it was to finally beat it before um, the sun rose and all that. And yeah, like you said, just with like the bosses, how epic they all are, especially in that game. I think that game has probably the best boss fights in in the series. To be honest with you, just with um how fun it is to sort of verse them all and some of the Zant fights. Oh, the Zant fights are great. How it's sort of like, um, it's like a kind of a boss rush mode. Yeah. Yeah. Just that. And it goes from being such an intimidating figure to the, through the, throughout the entire game to just this madman mm. in a single, like in a single minute. Yeah. And the fight just becomes this frantic, chaotic, 
like mess. And you know, I I I I I love Twilight Princess, and I think it's very underappreciated as a game in uh, many prospects. A lot of people are. Like you said, they're like, oh, yeah, it's definitely not a great Zelda game, not like Majora's Mask or Wind Waker. Or... But I I completely attest to that because Zant is one of the best off-villains they've ever created. Um, I just love the sort of twist, being like, yeah. oh, you're, you're a goof. Yeah. Yeah. Just- like the thing is, is he sets it up and like even like the cutscenes with Zelda when he's like ambushing the kingdom and all that. He's made out to be this intimidating as fuck figure and like a hugely powerful, you know, I guess, king, I, I I suppose. And it turns out he's not that at all. He's just a creating madman who thinks he has the power of a god. And when he realizes he doesn't, he goes absolutely mental. And that was, uh, you know, the biggest highlight of Twilight Princess, realistically, mm-hmm. is knowing that this man is just a crazy idiot yeah it also the game also stands out to me a lot too because the wii was like the first console i owned so um a lot of those like um story games and stuff i didn't really play that much i just played like multiplayer stuff at friends and um like the single player stuff was just on my game boy or on my ds Mm, so this was like my first like 3d game i owned myself and played through so when i finished it i'm like it was just so satisfying to actually get through that type of thing and uh, accidentally raising my save file because I'm trying to be smart and do like a cowboy like turn around and like a duel to like select my save file by accidentally selected delete. Uh, <laughs> yeah, rip. It's so dumb. Yeah. Oh, gave me a reason to replay it, and um, I would I would love to see the the HD version come to Switch. Yeah, I want to get. I want to. I want to see all those moved over. Mm. Like I know they were probably some of the more purchased games on the Wii, considering what they are. But I would uh, the Wii U rather, um. But I would love to see them moved over just so I could have them on a mm. console that's well more supported. Um, Wind Waker as well, I think. And like we talk about that for two seconds. Like Wind Waker when that first came out was considered, you know, trash. Nobody wanted it. They all wanted what Twilight Princess eventually turned out to be. But Wind Waker turned out probably. If if not as popular, more popular than what Twilight Princess ended up I'll, being. I would say it is. Yeah, definitely. Just by the the voice on the internet. Yeah, mm. and I'll be honest with you, like it is an absolutely fantastic game. And I I mean I was I was sort of in the same camp, but I was willing to give it a go, and I'm glad I did because like you know the Great Sea and everything attached to that, and its combat is really fluid and nice, and there's just a lot to do in Wind Waker. But it was such a huge departure from everything that Zelda was doing at the time. Mm. And that and its sequels were both like that. You know, um, it was such a huge departure from what the series was doing at the time. Yet somehow they still managed to pull it off in such a satisfying way. And they even connected it to, you know, Ocarina of Time um, through, like, obviously its own means or whatever. And the Ganon coming back. Uh, the Ganondorf coming back is the Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time and like slotting that all in there. And that was like the real first established point of like how a timeline is important in Zelda. Honestly, I reckon it probably is because it it was so heavily tied to Ocarina of Time that it's just like, oh, then where does everything else fit then? Like obviously Majora's Mask was 
a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. So most people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you just attach that to that. And you're like, oh, you know, this link is attached to that link. But you don't think much about <laughs> this Hyrule is attached to this Hyrule. Yeah. You know, and that's where Wind Waker was such an important game. It's what started all that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's where Wind Waker was such a hugely important yeah. game. Because I, I, like, I missed, obviously, all of that sort of hoo-ha about Wind Waker. Mm. Wind Waker was, to me, just like, oh, I, you know, Twilight Princess is awesome. Oh, what was the previous game? Oh, Wind Waker. That looks cool. And, uh, you know, just through not having the game or a GameCube, um, well, not having the game, I had the Wii, which could play it. But um, And I lent you a copy of it, which I've still got somewhere. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I've still got that copy somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I just sort of never got around to it because I missed it at the time and it wasn't until like the HD version where I'm like, you know, I bought it and played through it there and just a just a really great game. It is. It's a fantastic game. And uh, the last few fights, um, like uh, with the puppet Ganon and the duel against Ganondorf, both, both brilliant fights mm. um, that make you sort of feel very much like the hero, you know. Very violent. Well, <laughs> well, the, like the finale. Yeah, the finale. The finale is pretty violent, but I mean, so is so is TPs as well, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Except it's through the chest, not the head. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, there's that's it, it's it's really strange because it's like you know I started I started all the way back. I started a whole two generations before you did with Zelda. And then, you know, I know people that started a whole two generations before me, so on the NES, you know. Um, and I think, like, the one unified thing that is always a consistent is that everybody gets the same feeling of adventure from Zelda games, you know. And that dungeons are satisfying to figure out and all that. Like, there's always a consistent as to why people like Zelda. The difference is always based on where the generation starts. So, people that started a generation or two before me were all into the top town soldiers because, you know, you could, you had everything in your visible view, which meant, you know, you could work with the whole room uh, in order to figure out a puzzle. Hmm. Right. Um, I liked, I, I, I came in during the 3d Zelda's and I like the 3d Zelda's because I like the scope and the epic that it portrays in obviously a 3d environment. Um, and the puzzles sort of come secondary. And then, with you moving into Twilight Princess, it was very much the same same sort of scenario. Like it is the epic of it, but it's it's done in such a way, like in recent days, that um, it's it's a larger scope than it ever was. Like I can go back and I can appreciate Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time for what they were, and I'm not sure you could probably do that the same as I do because of where you started. Yeah, well, I went back to um, uh, Ocarina of Time on 3DS. Mm. But um, the original, like going back to the N64, like if you were to play that as it was on the N64, would you get that sense of adventure? I mean, I, I played like through like the first quarter of the game, like a fair few times on emulator and um, friends copies and stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't have that nostalgia necessarily for the original version. Yeah. So, I'm not quite sure. There'll be obviously a lot of things in there which, which you know, we've gotten used to just through modern gaming where it's like, you know, just, you know, swapping items or, you know, just simple stuff like that where it'll be like, all right, this is a bit of a pain in the ass. Bit of yeah. a pain. And, like, I, I even get that going back to um, old Pokemon games that I've played again and again. There are certain things where I'm like, man, this is a 
bit of a, this is actually a fair bit of a grind. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, you've gotten so used to being like, all right, levels are right up. Let's let's let's, let's keep zipping through the story. Yeah. So it's a, it's a similar thing there. I don't know if it's because necessarily because um I got into the series later. I think it's just through um little conveniences we've had with gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I do want to talk about one um one last game real quick. And that uh, is probably um, A Link Between Worlds. Beautiful. Mm. And the reason I want to talk about that game is because it was the last the last game that um, sort of come out um, that uh, Awada was really heavily sort of mentioned in or involved in or what have you. And his name in the credits and at the end of the credits especially being such an important, important thing at the time. Um, because obviously it, 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 it all hit us in a different way when that, when that beautiful man died, like, you know, one day, one morning I woke up and I looked on Facebook and the news was just there. It was like Satoru Iwata has died at the age of, I can't remember the exact age. Yes. In his fifties. Yeah. 58, I think maybe something like yeah. that. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is massive. You know, like nobody really knew he was sick because he was working all the time. Oh, we, yeah, we did know he's sick, but to that extent, yeah, no, no he way, kept yeah. his personal life pretty private. You know, mm. like he didn't want he didn't want that out in the public, and he wanted to deal with it in his own way. Yeah, because he, he did like you know some like press conferences and stuff, and you could see that he's just like lost heaps of weight and stuff. You're like, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, by yeah. all means, yeah. But you know, he he wasn't the type of person to play it up or anything like that or, Mm. you know, what have you. He kind of just went through with it. But, um, yeah, then uh, later on in the year, obviously, we got uh, Link Between Worlds. And it was a game that I largely avoided for many years and I'm a little bit sad that I did. Yeah, because I always was like, man, you need need to play this. Because it's a game that um, I remember it came out the same day as 3D World on Wii U. And uh, I bought both on the same day and I was, I was looking forward to the big Mario game on the console. And uh, 3D World was like, yeah, it's a, it's a 3DS game, which I'm sure would be fantastic. Mm. And I'll, I'll get to it. And I got to it a bit later than 3D World. And I remember it was um, summertime here and, you know, working a lot in hospitality at the time, being the holidays. Mm. And uh, I'll, I spent like most of my free time or time after work at nighttime sort of, you know, depressing, uh, you know, depressing so I can go to sleep. Um, playing playing that game, mm. and I just like I, I smashed it out as soon as I got into it. It just hooked me, and um, going for the game, just like the story and the puzzles and the um, the overworld, uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I think um, it's one of the games that made me really say, you know, 2D Zelda is awesome. Like I went back and um, you know played I played a lot of the 2D Zelda games, but I think that was the first one which was like this is excellent. Yeah. This is excellent. Yeah. And and the way the game ends without spoilers too is just like I'm like oh my god yeah yeah it was damn awesome and that was like one of the things I'm like Bryce you need to you need to finish this game man like it's excellent and you're like mm. yeah you know you probably you probably thinking the exact same thing I was thinking like you know it's a it's a two D Zelda game and not the art style's not like mind blowing when they first sort of shown it off in a Nintendo Direct um, a lot of people were like you know it looks a bit looks a bit looks a bit bad like just the art style was. But I think once it was like on your 3DS, not blown up and in 3D, I think that's where it sort of shone a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It looks like fantastic on on the actual unit itself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But um, getting through that game, like it, it took, I had it, but it took me years to get to it. 
And when I eventually did get to it, I I was I was watching clips or something, and I was just like, I really should just go and finish this game, shouldn't I? And like, not thinking too much about it or like what context it held or anything like that, I sort of went off and did it, and I got to the end of it, and I remember saying to you, I'm just like, holy fuck, and like, why didn't I play it sooner? And then like, I was heart wrenched because at the end of it, you know, there was like a little tribute to Awada there, and I was like. Fuck. <laughs> I'm like, this This game hurts probably more than it should, I think. Because it, it come from a year where, you know, somebody who was a huge influence on so many people's lives uh, in the games industry had just passed. And it, you know, even just as a bystander and a person who sort of looked up to the man... I was like, you know, I was shocked enough at the news as it was, but seeing like all this passion and like there was, it was, it was present everywhere, but a lot of people that worked on this game too had a lot of, had a lot of respect for Awana and even just that little message in an end at the end there was like, damn. And the ending to that game was just perfect. And like you said before, like it was just absolutely awesome. And it culminated to, you know, the end of a really bad year in terms of news when it come to Awana. And it uh, sort of sort of shone a light and like, you know, I guess I guess it was a beacon to to show just how important, you know, it was to have a mentor like he was to a lot of people in their lives and they really portrayed that in the end of that game it wasn't much of a message but it was enough of a message to show that you know that's what mattered i guess is that while while the man is gone the legacy will always be left behind and there will always be people who um saw him as a friend a mentor you know, somebody who was huge in the game industry, like, and the fact that they showed that through a Zelda game was absolutely awesome. You know, we, like, we, we have a lot, a lot of things to thank him for. You know, you got, like, uh, the way they coded gold and silver. He did a lot of that. Yeah. I'm just, I was just, I just searched up, but when, when did you play through this game? Because this game came out in 2013 um, and Wada died in 2015. Did he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I was just thinking, I'm like, wait, this game came out. Oh, no. Because I was was taking 3D World. I'm like, yeah, they came out in 2013 along with this, and Wada didn't die for another couple of years. Well, that's my problem then. So, like, but but that's what this game meant to you because with that context, that's that's how you played it. That was the message at the end of it. Yeah. Like, um, you know, they they had like a sort of a little thing at the end of it, and his name was the last name in the credits. Mm. So I guess for me, that was what I took from it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting just with like that different perspective of um, yeah. playing that, that bit later. Yeah, How like I, I had like the emotional residence of like, this was an awesome game and the way it ended and just how, how much of a good time I had with it. But you also had that moment where it's like this big figure in this company that you love the products of, the memories of. Um, it was just a huge thing. this game, yeah. It was just a huge thing because like, I guess, I guess by the end of it, I'd, I'd sort of been taken aback because it wouldn't have been too far long after it then. 
trying to remember. Because it was around the time Evie was quite young. And I guess um, just in terms of games where he was actually present, that was that was one of the last ones that I played, mm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because Iwata died on the uh, 11th of July, 2015. When did I finish it? I think it might have been September that year. Right. Mm. I'm pretty sure his name was the last name in the credits. Yeah, because I remember Correct it was, me if I'm wrong. I remember it was like years later where I was like, you like said that you finished it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Finally, you did it. Yeah. 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 But um, no, just definitely, definitely coming down to the point and seeing like that fucking ending. <laughs> I, I remember I remember being in tears over it, I think. Well, let, let's put a spoiler warning and let's, let's, let's discuss the ending since it you know, meant a lot to us. So, spoiler warning for A Link Between Worlds on 3DS. It might get remastered one day for Switch if you haven't played it. <laughs> Not quite sure, but Ross, let's, uh, let's talk about the ending. So, sure. what it means to you? Well, it was just... The thing is, is coming down, coming down to the brass point of it is finding out that... Uh, fucking... What do they call him? What's his name? Rav something? Ravio. 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 Finding out that Ravio was actually just Alt-Universe Link was mm. awesome. Yeah. It's, it, it, it just like shocked me, but at the same time, was it was it obvious to some, like, some people? I feel like- I, I think it was, but the way it, they, they didn't try to make it way too obvious, right? No, because I didn't even think about it, to be honest. I didn't no. think that it was a costume- really at all because the whole point is that it was um the whole point was that it was a reverse role so it was like you know instead of instead of um link instead of zelda being the helpless defenseless one that needs rescuing it was more like uh hilda was you know the strong one and really pulled through whereas ravio was the scared and weak one yeah, like the opposite of what their Triforce represents. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so like them coming back and then Ravio escaping to obviously the Hyrule, light world. Hyrule, yeah. Um, was was like, well shit, I'm a coward. <laughs> I can't go back and face it anymore. It's like so this this guy is basically just me. Do I rely on him to push through and save like try and save our worlds, sort of thing? And so he sort of like tries to get by and make his living while also sort of trying to supply the hero being Link. Yeah, just be like, all right, this guy can do it. Let's just uh, give him all the items he needs. Yeah. Because I'm too much of a coward to go and do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of all, all culminating to that and then getting to the end of it, pushing through and uh, taking out to Yuya Ganon or whatever you want to call him. Um. And heading to the sacred realm to fix everything that had sort of like gone torn to shit and seeing the Triforce in the sacred realm was like, and they did like a whole little cinematic for it and everything. Um, Ravio come back and obviously tried to like, you know, make amends for the fact that he's a coward by being there in the end. Mm. And it was, it was just a good culmination, I think overall of like, you know, Despite you've got these two worlds where things are completely, completely different in their own prospects, but no matter what, everybody has the courage to sort of step up and do the right thing, even if it's 
you know, meant in the end that it required a lot more courage. And I think that was kind of the point of it, really. Mm. You know, it took Ravio ages to get there, but he finally did. And, you know, it took Hilda admitting her mistakes that she made along the way. But it happened. Yeah, I'd love to see that game come out on Switch. Yeah. Get a bit of a, a Metopia treatment. Mm. Along with Kitty Icarus Uprising, I reckon that'll be the two oh, 3DS Kit- games I'd love to see. It needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. Bloody Metopia. Why can't they do it for Kid Icarus? They do it for Metopia. Good damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, though that was the last Zelda game his 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 name was on, I believe. Yeah, well, after that is uh, Breath of the Wild, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to wrap up this conversation, I don't want to go into this too much, but a um, friend of the show, Paul James, he says that Breath of the Wild is shitty Witcher. How do you respond to that? He's wrong. His main argument, his main argument that uh, he had on his post is that weapon weapon degrading is shit. And I would like to uh, aforementioned Mr. Paul James that uh, the only thing that you find shit about weapon degradation is the fact your weapons break. Weapon degradation happens in most games these days, including The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd love to, um, I was thinking like, it'd be cool to get you on and have like a, Debate, have a battle over it. Debate, but I think I think it's a bit rough bringing on someone to a Nintendo podcast on like the opposite side. <laughs> You'll have like all the audience being like, you know, fuck you or whatever. You know? Yeah. But you know, we're, we're we're all good around here. I hope none of our audience says that, and it's a bit more open minded to maybe what both people say. Look, I, I like I I'm <laughs> not be interesting. I'm not saying Breath of the Wild is a flawless game. It has flaws. Like, like absolutely, yeah. climbing in the rain is bullshit. And why they put restrictions on you in a game that's supposed to be so free makes no sense. The weapon degra- degradation issue, however, is a massively overhyped argument against Breath of the Wild. There's weapons everywhere. Pick them up and use them. <laughs> yeah. And if you're really worried about your weapons and not having good ones all the time... Robbie exists and you can craft them or, you know, you can mark places off your map, kill a Hinox and grab one. It's not it's not that big of a deal. It's always been one of those things where I think about it, I'm like, oh, sounds like a pain in the ass. But when I played the game, I never had an issue with it. I've no. always got something. I'm always doing a shrine and a guardian's dropping some materials or just a weapon itself. Yeah. So that's it's like, right. I've always got something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, kill a Lionel. They drop the strongest weapons in the game and make every other weapon redundant anyway. So just go kill a Lionel. You'll be right. Like it, it is. It is. Um, it is frustrating when a weapon breaks mid combat or something like that. But it is. It is really not the end of the world. Yeah. Um. There's, uh, you know, a few systems that need to be fixed. But uh, ex- you know, Breath of the Wild was a very experimental game, like from the get go. And I believe they'll do their best to fix up a lot of it with yeah. Breath of the Wild too. Well, Breath of the Wild, like, just how much of a change they made and how many sort of, um. I guess experiments they have just with like, oh, what if we do shrines and what if we have like the dungeons, but they're like moving beasts and stuff like that. Like I can only imagine what the sequel is going to be like. Like I don't want to overhype any game because you're never going to, it's never going to meet your expectations, but I think it's going to be something special when it finally comes out. They're obviously taking all the time they need. I think, I think it's going to remain largely similar. I just think they're going to remove the claws of some, some really glaring issues with the game and then add in some extra options for stuff like traversal and whatnot. Like if they really do go with the uh, guardian arm idea that was floating around in Hyrule Historia and you'll have like a grappling hook or like a long shot 
sort of attached link that you can use for climbing and stuff like that just to make the process a little less tedious. Mm. Like, I think shit like that will just change the game for the better and just yeah. be good overall. I think, like, what I was talking about with, like, Bowser's Fury, where there's, like, so many, um, like, toys and that to interact with in the world. Yeah. If they can sort of uh, give you um, the ability to interact with different things in different ways a lot more than the uh, original Breath of the Wild, I think it would be just something absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, Shit. It was shit. Oh, oh okay. So, okay. oh. I, I lost my place there for a second because I was looking at that beautiful box and I was like, mm. um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> look, um, that game could come out and it could just be carbon copy paste with a new story on top of it and I'd probably be just as happy because I love Breath of the Wild and I really have no glaring problems with the game that uh, would ever impede my enjoyment of it. But... Um, considering that they've been working on it since they released the original game, I think they'll have a lot to say eventually when it does hit, and I think it's going to have a lot of marginal improvements that uh, will just make the overall experience a little bit better. You know what? Um, because everybody complains about weapon degradation, I think you'll find they won't drop it completely, but they'll definitely nerf how bad it is um, for... Anybody who considers it bad, I guess, maybe, you know, make weapons last two times longer. Yeah, I think like, a, you know how the Master Sword, it just ran out of energy and didn't actually break. I reckon a couple more items like that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like have like actual, like some cool swords you can get from like each village or something that actually like added up and you could choose between them. But then it sort of gives you no reason to sort of scale for other weapons. So that might be kind of breaking the game as well. But mm. anyway, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um I think the other thing as well is uh you know they could they'll probably end up adding in repairs and stuff like that so that rather than your things breaking breaking they'll just make them so they can be repaired just unusable. Yeah. Mm. And then um from there basically what they'll do is they'll just do what they did in the late game to Breath of the Wild and that was add item effects to things and sort of add rare ones to them or whatever and your your goal is going to be more about finding the rare effects than it is going to be about you know collecting the item itself. So like getting a shield duration buff on the Hylian shield was obviously like well this shield's never going to break for 80 hours of gameplay. You know, like shit like that is probably what you're going to be. Did you ever break one? For. No, I don't think I've ever broken one. No, I haven't broken one either. No, no, but that's because I wasn't irresponsible with them either. <laughs> I didn't shield surf a hell of a lot with it or anything like that. I always kept it in the back end for like, well, here's a guardian, and I need to hit, get, you know, take a few hits. Oh, that was so fun! Once you learned how to do that, deflect their beam. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. Till you go to master mode and it's random between like ten different possible options. Yeah. You're like, fuck off. <laughs> Just Russian roulette. <laughs> All right, Bryce, we better, we better end it there. Nice long episode since we missed a couple of weeks there. Yeah, that we have. That we have. Oh, sorry about that, everyone. But um, hopefully you enjoyed this one. Hmm. Yeah. So, everybody, thank you very much for joining us in the House of Mario for episode 176. If you enjoy the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, you can also go to your social media, share us on there with your friends. It definitely helps out the show a lot because we are a small podcast and small little boys, aren't we, Bryce? Are you a small boy? I am a small boy. Bryce is such a small boy. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at iDruby. Bryce is at IVRevan. And the show is at The House of Mario. And uh, you can join our Discord. There is an invite in the show notes. Go and check it out. Join our Discord. And uh, we're actually doing starting to do community episodes on The House of Mario Encore with our community in Discord. Uh, the other week, we did one with uh, all about Pokemon with Meta, uh, Sam, and... Uh, Meta, Sam, and uh, Delfino. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and that will be up on the Encore feed in a few weeks. And uh, if you're into Pokemon, we're doing a season all about Pokemon's 25th year anniversary, going through all the regions and all that. A lot of fun. Go and check out that. Support that podcast. That's about it, Bryce. I'd like to thank our Patreon producers, um, Alex Harding, Sam Hay, DJ, and Luke. Thank you very much for helping us... uh, Keep the lights on here at the House of Mario because we need lights. Otherwise, we can't see Bryce's beautiful face. That's right. That's exactly right. You need to see my face. Yeah. So this week's Nintendo (laughs) jukebox is a song called Princess Zelda from the Hero of Time album by Eric Butch... Butch Holes? Oh, no. Butch Holes. Butch Holes. How would you pronounce that surname? I just said... Almost said buttholes. Book holes. Book holes. Book holes. Book. Not buttholes. Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both tired. Yeah, we're I tired. I think that's what it is. Like even even going through like my uh my link between worlds conversation there, I'm like, I'm starting to realise I'm tired now. <laughs> yeah, it's like ten thirty at night. <laughs> anyway guys, the doors to the house of Mario are closed. Catch you later. Bye.